is no better place. It's time to talk. The only way to get anything done in Cork is to go on to the Neil Prenderville. Like, you know? <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's a Cork threat at this stage, I think. <laughs> the Neil Prenderville Show on Red FM. I just love Cork people. Conversation that matters. And they certainly do. The Neil Prenderville Show with Mercedes-Benz Cork. I love the mail this morning quoting Met Aaron on a new phenomenon. Never heard of it before. It's uh, beware and watch out for the thunder snow. The thunder snow. I've heard of the thunder shower, but not the thunder snow. So that'll be something to look forward to if we get it. Wouldn't mind seeing that. Sadly, though, lads, nothing funny about the state of uh, people dying on our roads. Four deaths in 48 hours, and they're oh so young. And 33 people more now have died as opposed to the same time last year. Ralph Regal has an extensive story in the inside, in the inside pages of The Independent today. Um, more Gardaí must be assigned to road policing in a bid to save lives. Um, uh, I don't know. Well, I, I just don't understand. I mean, I can't. Obviously, you'd have to talk to every single investigating officer into every single crash on our roads to work out why we have more and more people dying, particularly young people on the roads. Uh, this morning, uh, we heard of two young men who died in County Limerick who were 20 and 19 years old. So four people died in three different accidents in the space of 48 hours. Like a young woman suffered fatal injuries, died in Waterford on Monday night, two young men killed in Limerick as we say and then there was a, a male pedestrian died a day after an accident in which he, he himself and another person were struck by a car in Ballina. but uh, looking at some of the photographs of the crash scenes, my God, I, I don't know I, I don't know, is it road conditions, is it um, is it speed or, or what but it just seems to be going from bad to worse, in fact I, I I wonder actually, um, you know, like is everything going from bad to worse? Like it's maybe it's just that I, maybe it's just that I digest so much news that I notice it more and more. Maybe you guys are the same. I don't know. Maybe you got like this stuff going on in the north side. Some papers again this morning. Um, an absolute load of fireworks discharged at Gardaí and fire services on Tuesday night. They had to go up to respond to an incident. Um, apparently, some I think probably a car. I think it crashed or, I don't know, it was crashed or certainly was burnt out anyway on Kilmore Road in Ochnahini. She had a group of young fellas up there, young people. Shouldn't say fellas because I don't know what sexes they were, but young people gathered in the area. I was telling you yesterday morning, they were there to mark the anniversary of a young male who died tragically in the area. That's some way to do it, isn't it? To turn on the Gardaí and to turn uh, on the fire brigades and what have you. Faces covered, going on a rampage. So it's front page story um, making the echo this morning. Echo, uh, attack with fireworks. Two of them then, of course, got injured and it'd be taken away uh, to the CUH. And then Somebody sent me a video yesterday. Nothing, nothing should surprise me with regards to law and order. I don't know what it is. It's just things go from bad to worse. And like, it's like as if people don't give a damn or have zero respect. I was sent a video yesterday. You had four women stopped um, traffic as they jumped out of their cars and came to blows in an ugly road rage row. So this incident, we shared it up on our social media platforms for you. We blurred out the, the faces of those involved, but... Some motorists behind us, all traffic stopped. Both lanes of traffic had stopped because they were fighting and tearing the heads off each other. Somebody in one of the cars then filmed it. So it was recorded yesterday afternoon in the Hollyhill area. 
you see the video footage of the violent incident. Three women uh, hurling a series of abuse and taunts on another woman. And then they laid in. The whole lot of them came to blows. Um, and then afterwards they, they break off. and they Eventually they break off anyway and they jump back into their respective separate cars. And they drive on a bit, still hurling abuse at each other from both cars. Uh, we checked with the guardie incidentally. And that one will go unreported because the guard said they had no incident at the time. Whether they do now or not, I, I have no idea. But the point being, a lot of this stuff never gets reported and it's not actually logged as an event or a crime or anything but the video footage is there to see it a lot of anger and a lot of the time it's anger that turns to violence uh, papers this morning uh, have a lot of different court reports one of them I'll come back to later on because it's quite lengthy Do you remember I was telling you yesterday about the allegation against a man uh, that he punched his neighbour in the face and kicked her when she was on the ground, accusing her of stealing his mother's post. Well, that was back in court yesterday and he was found uh, guilty of assault causing harm. I think he's back before the courts tomorrow uh, for sentencing. But it was a very bizarre case because um, um, the, there was different aspects to it that came to the attention of the judge and perhaps anybody else that was in the court. Uh, and I'll come back to it later. And, and one of the things that probably made it harder work for everybody trying to uh, hear the case or go through the case was the length of time that it took Hugh O'Brien uh, to respond to questions. Like uh, Liam Healer in The Echo this morning says uh, that um, he, when he, he took one to two minutes of a pause before answering almost every question. When he was being sworn in to give evidence and repeating uh, the oath um, to tell the truth, a process that ordinarily takes a matter of a few seconds, it took Hugh O'Brien seven minutes. Then there was issues between himself and the judge uh, regarding um, the uh, hat that he was wearing, uh, the uh, mask that he was wearing. He was refusing to take off his hat and mask, saying, I wear it everywhere. COVID is rampant. People are coughing, sneezing and farting in court. He said, there are farters, coughers and sneezers and spitters in this room. It went on and on. So there's a lot more to that, uh, which I will come back to throughout the course of the morning. You know, it's it's hard to believe, but we are well past Celtic Tiger property prices. We really and truly are. We're about 8 or 10% ahead of them now and they break it down in the papers this morning. Bizarrely, if you follow the graphics in the Independent this morning, the average house price in County Cork is higher than the average house price in Cork City and suburbs. Anybody find that a little bit weird where they're saying the average house price for the median house in Cork City is 292000 <laughs> You are joking me. Get out of town. And in the average medium price for a house in Cork County is like 40 grand dearer at 330,000. But whether you agree or disagree with those averages, one thing is for sure, we're well past Celtic Tiger prices. And talking about passing Celtic Tiger prices, we touched on this yesterday morning. There were gasps in the audience when I said it won't be too long before it'll be a tenner a pint in Ireland. Well, where will it start? It'll start up in Double Ahem. And where in Double Ahem will it start? It will start in Temple Bar. Um, and it will be a tenner before the summer, according to the owner of the uh, Oliver Sinjin Gogarty uh, pub, uh, Martin Keane. He says that the prices may reach a tenner sooner rather than later. And he cites the increasing cost of running a pub. And he says in the next couple of weeks, perhaps, or maybe just before the summer, they'll reach a tenner a pint. We're crippled, he says. Everything's gone up. 
in and around 25%, including musicians. And a lot of the pubs there have music all day, every day, and you have to pay for the privilege of that. So, um, you know, we certainly have evidence of, of prices gone crazy in Leaside as well, and I'll come back to that a little later on this morning. But also, for those of you that are into Lent now, and you're off the chocolate and off the sweeties, and you're looking forward to uh, your Easter eggs and what have you, don't the newspapers love to put a downer on you? They're saying, ah, yeah, you know, you're looking forward to your Easter egg and everything, but hold on a while, how can we wreck it for you? Well, we can tell you that the price of cocoa is going up, which means that um, when you're finished with Lent and you're buying your Easter eggs, you probably will find that they're smaller and dearer. Not bigger and cheaper, but smaller and dearer. And I should have mentioned, actually, when talking about uh, Celtic Tiger prices and what have you, the mail this morning says that we are, we're back to the days of the big money divorces. And a lot of it has to do and is connected, and I should have connected the two stories, with increasing house prices. So when you have a divorce... You know, before you could have had a property that in some cases it might have been 300 or 250. Now you could actually be fighting in a a litigious or an acrimonious divorce for a home that could be a million or a million plus. plus. So they're saying rising house prices is forcing couples to fight harder and take it all the way uh, to the high court. Uh, And then for those with dodgy boxes, and I know this is a story that was in the news about six months ago as well, because they continue to endeavour to cut down and to crack down on people with dodgy boxes. You remember the pubs that were caught there the back end of last year for having dodgy boxes? I think there was one of them um, got big, big fired. There was one in Kerry, I think, had to pay pay Sky, I don't know, something between 10 and 20 grand. Um, But anyway, like it's, it's... it's a tough one, isn't it? Because they are illegal, uh, clearly. But um, some people would push back and say, yeah, but we're paying our television license and paying Sky Astronaut when wants money. I get that. But I suppose Sky have to be paid for their service no matter what you do about it. So apparently there's another push on now for a thing called the Fire Stick, the Amazon Fire Stick. The Amazon Fire Stick usually would be bought with nothing on it. But what's happening now is you can get them from people and they, they are they're what they call fully loaded. So they got everything on it, including your Sky and your, I guess, your Netflix and your Prime and everything and anything inside in it. But they're, they're pushing on with a big crackdown on that one as well. And did you know that yesterday became the very first day whereby all of us now are organ donors. We are. I have no problem with it in the wild, earthly world. What they do with my body parts after I'm gone is of no consequence to me. And if it can help somebody's life, fair enough, off you go. Um, but you have to opt out now as opposed to opt. For years you had to opt in. Remember you had an organ donor card and you kept it in your wallet? No need for any of that anymore. Laws changed on it. Everybody now is an organ donor unless you opt out. How do you feel about that? Text 0868104106. And I see in the UK a topic that we've touched on on a few occasions in the recent past here. I know we spoke lastly about menopause. And I don't mean for that to be confused with menopause. But in the workplace now in the UK, they really are... Um, telling parent, telling employers that you can now be sued because if you, I'm not, I'm not saying it's a disability, but in the UK it will be covered under disability discrimination, and employers will be fined or sued if they fail to make reasonable adjustments for menopausal women, uh, such as allowing them to work from home or turning the temperature down in the office. That's a headline, front page story making the UK Times this morning. And also over across the water, somebody won 61 million euro in pounds, I should say, in the Euro Millions lottery. And they thought they'd won two euro sixty. Now, I often say this, and I've said it in the past, you might agree with me. 
Lotteries love those kind of quirky, wacky stories. They love that kind of an angle. I'm not saying it's not true, but it happens so often where people don't realise they won or they lost the ticket and found it again or they got confused. Or, uh, but this one actually has to do with a couple who were over in Fuerteventura when they checked their lottery numbers and they discovered that they won €2.60, Richard and Debbie Nuttall. So he's a self-employed accountant. Doesn't say what Debbie does, I don't know why. She went up to her and he says, Deb, we won €2.60 on the lottery. And she said, woohoo, we'll go and have a bacon butty or something like that. Uh, later on, though, he logged on again. I don't know why. And he found that the €2.60 was from a win last November. And the more recent win was 61,708,231. And of course, the whole thing was made worse because they were on a part of the island where there was no phone signaling and they couldn't ring the lottery to find out if it was true. So it added to the intensity and the suspense. But there you have it, thinking they won 260 when they won actually 61.5 million. And then, interestingly enough, there are pranks that go very, very wrong. And there's a court report this morning. Apparently, there is a TikTok prank out there, and you can tell me how true it is, where you have groups of teenagers who stand on both sides of the road and they pretend to pull or lift a rope, an invisible rope, across the road. Now, I imagine in the past people have used real ropes because they were acting a maggot, but in this case, it was a TikTok prank where it was an invisible rope. So the driver, and this is a, a story up the country um, where they t- in County Donegal, the driver became outraged at the teenagers pretending to hold the invisible road rope. Um, the prank backfired. He got out of the car uh, and he gave him a chase um, and he he caught one of them by the jumper uh, and after he gave him a bit of a scare, he let the fella go. But I don't know how it happened. This guy, for whatever reason, whoever, you know, went to the guards, he ended up in court where the judge said, you can't be taking the law into your own hands. Um, Even though he was very cross about the situation and probably got an awful fright. Um, So the judge, bemused and all as he was... Uh, she was, I said, I should say, adjourned the case until the 19th of March because they want victim impact reports on the case. <laughs> is, that the, is it not a little bit over the top or am I just uh, underestimating the importance of it? Or, or is it another example of the idea that young people are untouchable? Well, in this case, I suppose they should be untouchable for you cannot lay hands. Anyway, text 0868104106. Call Neil now. 0818104106. The Neil Prenderville Show on Red FM. Yesterday morning, I was telling you about this uh, carry on up in uh, the north side, up around Knocknahini. It's uh, a story that uh, has a little bit more information to it this morning. Donald O'Keefe's article in the Echo uh, again correctly says that this all started, it would seem now at this stage, with uh, two young fellas inside in a car that they crashed the car into a concrete pipe up the Kilmer Road. So the car catches fire, right? I've seen the video footage of it, car ablaze. Two teenagers inside in the car needed hospitalisation. It's funny that you have to take people to hospital to treat them for injuries. I'm not saying any more about that, but at the same time, you have others then uh, who are making life difficult for the emergency services who are trying to put out fires or, you know, have fireworks discharged at them, but it's a front page or attacked with fireworks. Now, interestingly, this isn't the first time that we've had emergency services getting grief in areas of Cork City. If I could give you a few examples, in June uh, of 2018, Cork Fire Brigade were forced to call the Gardaí to back up 
the fire brigade on a Friday night. They were attacked by a group of youths when they were dealing with a fire in the city. Uh, according to Gardaí, they attended two fire incidents, Kilmore Road, Knocknaheeny area, and needed the backup of Ungarda Shikona. Then in uh, uh, the next day, Cork City Fire Brigade 2018, bombarded with stones responding to a fire on the north side of the city. So that's two nights in a row, bombarded with stones, throwing stones at the fire brigade crews. But the Friday and Saturday nights, uh, the brigade reported instances, instances of youth throwing stones at the fire crew at the site of a fire. And again, on both nights, Garda assistance was requested. And then in 2019, July, firefighter injured after his crew was pelted with rocks and stones while tackling a rubbish fire at a halting site on the north side. Now, this is interesting because the fire crew from the Cork City Fire Brigade were forced to withdraw from the entrance to the Spring Lane halting site in Ballyvalan, 11pm, for health and safety reasons. And just another quick one for you, because there are many. Bonfire night, uh, June 22, three separate incidents where firefighters and Gardaí were forced to withdraw from the scenes of bonfires following what they call, and I think they're playing it down using that term, anti-social behaviour. So you had more of this carry on uh, on Tuesday night. Victor Shinas, the second officer with Cork City Fire Brigade, he joins me by phone. Victor, good morning. Good morning, Neil. And there you have a catalogue of events going back uh, maybe three or four years. Um, Will we ever reach a time um, where emergency services, whether it's the fire brigade, paramedics and ambulances, perhaps on Garda Shikona, will refuse to go into or respond to calls for personnel safety? Um, Neil, any time there's life at risk or we can be of benefit to somebody, we'll make every endeavour to uh, deal with that situation appropriately. But when the crews are deemed to be at serious risk, we will take those additional precautions by requesting additional guard backup or uh, holding back until the situation has got under control and then proceeding in. It's very rare that these things happen, but... Um, unfortunately we don't expect our crews to be coming in here to go to work and be attacked, we come in here to assist uh, people in need and uh, the general public in their hour of uh, desperation. Okay, it's just, that, it's just that I know of bus crews that refuse to go to particular areas or at least they did in the past um, and there were limited services to unfortunately sadly areas of of the north side but you, you have a duty to serve, is that what you're saying under any circumstance? Yeah. Our duty of care is uh, is to preserve life and property. So um, whatever we need to do to do that, we do. But again, with health and safety now and the, the care of our crews and our equipment, obviously, as well, we have to take that into consideration okay. as well. Okay. What do you understand happened on, on Tuesday night? Well, we were uh, initially requested to attend a, a car on fire. Uh, when we got there, it was... Uh, noted that the car was after being involved in a road traffic collision and um, on uh, checking out the area, two casualties were located close to the car um, who needed medical attention Uh, that attention was given by fire crews and the National Ambulance Service and the two casualties were removed and during that uh, operation, uh, the fire crews had some difficulty with dealing with the situation that was extinguishing the car and treating casualties with um, ongoing activity around the area, around the incident. Uh, there were some other um, activities going on there at the time uh, in relation to other situations that were going on. You're not going to specify what? 
Um, no, I couldn't. I couldn't actually state exactly what it was, but there were a number of youths there, and uh, they were uh, recognising an event that had occurred a year previous. Yeah, that involved fireworks, I believe. Uh, it the, did. Yes, it did. Okay. Yeah. All right. So the guardie arrived in patrol cars, I believe. Yes. So uh, our colleagues in the Gardishkana uh, came and gave us assistance again in uh, uh, preserving uh, the, the area for our protection and assisting us with dealing with the casualties and the ambulance crew and uh, getting that situation under control. Um, w- 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 did you get any reports of how these fireworks were fired by these youths and who did they fire them at? Was it Were there fireworks being fired directly at uh, fire brigades and at guard cars? Um, my understanding is that the uh, some fireworks came in the direction of the fire crews. Yeah, whether it was intentionally or accidentally, or, or not exactly sure. But um, you know, it's difficult. If the use of fireworks in any public space is obviously a very dangerous uh, situation for anybody, whether it be uh, members of the public or even property around that you could have a firework entering into a, a building through a window, breaking a window, oh, and I, setting fire yeah. to somebody's property no, as well, and injuring that. somebody. You no, know, I, I understand all of that, but I, it, I'm just trying to work out the, the anniversary to commemorate the passing of a young male who died tragically um, ended up in mayhem. Um, but the fireworks were there as part of the commemoration of the young male who died, I imagine. Uh, then, I'm just trying to work out, then the fire brigade and the Garda arrived and they turned and fired the fireworks at Garda and, and, and fire brigade personnel. Th- that, that's, that's my reading of it. Yeah, well, we would have come across situations like this before where um, when you have um, a multitude of people um, in an area where they're uh, recognising the event and the fire service guardy or ambulance crews or emergency service personnel of any form entering an area um, maybe those people might deem us to be trying to upset the moment or spoil that celebration and so on you know but we're only there because of the need for us to be there uh, somebody is in danger there's a property at risk and so on so we're called, we go, we do our job. Oh, you know, and, uh, we, and, and, and we, respe- we respect that and we appreciate yeah. that. But John like even the Echo this morning says the Gardaí drove away a patrol car from the area to try and draw attention away from the area so that you guys could do your work. Um, In fairness, the, the, the Gardaí and ourselves, we have a very difficult job to, to do and... Um, of, of course, the personnel being injured is a very serious thing, but the, 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 the vehicles that we're operating are extremely expensive expensive pieces of equipment. They can't be replaced easily. And if a windscreen is damaged or windows are damaged or um, equipment is, is uh, interfered with and so on, it's going to be um, that piece of equipment off the road for a long period of time. Yeah, but we, we know and that and we understand what you're saying. But these dogs don't give a damn about that. They have no respect. They have no respect for people, nor fire brigades or ambulances or guard cars or the people within them they don't care they just don't care I suppose maybe they don't see the the bigger picture of a small interference by a number of people to a piece of equipment or to a crew can affect somebody's family if, if one of our crew was seriously injured there you know it's his family um, the fire service in general we're all going to be affected by that for a moment of um, 
that kind of uh, in intensity at the at the scene okay. of an incident. Okay. So okay. It, it's it's not acceptable. We don't accept that, and it's a tough job, and we shouldn't have to face um, those challenges when we turn up to to an incident. How how long are you now, if you don't mind me asking, um, a member of Cork City Fire Brigade Service? Yeah, so um, I'm just uh, going on 44 years now in the oh, fire service. Okay. So, okay. So, is so. it is it is it a very different service now to 40 44 years ago? It is very challenging. It is uh, with all the the uh, the political issues that are surrounding our, our service that we're trying to go there. We're trying to appease everybody, keep everybody safe, keep everybody happy, and so on. And as you were saying with your previous um, incident there where somebody challenged uh, somebody that caused an incident, that, that can't be done anymore. And basically what we have to do is just stand back. Oh, I and see what you mean. You're, you're referencing the story from up around Donegal. But no, exactly. I'm, just, I'm just wondering, 40 years ago, would you have people throwing rocks and stones at um, no. Gardaí or Fire Brigade? Would you have people firing, um, you know, fireworks or... Absolutely would you would you have, would you have had to Absolutely withdraw not. from the scene of different places years ago? No, no. It, it's a it's a very different world now, and uh, we're dealing with things very differently. Um, in the, the way that we have to uh, travel in the trucks, wear protective personal protective equipment, and so on. Other parts of the country use different methods for protection. We haven't gone there yet with uh, special glass on the side of the screens and anti shatter glass and. But it is happening. Vehicles are being uh, stones, bottles, and stuff have been thrown at vehicles and stuff, and uh, that's endangering not only the crew in the vehicle but also other road users. It's it's not acceptable. Okay. Any challenge to the fire service or fire service vehicles is not acceptable. But well, you are saying, again, reiterating that we have not yet, and probably will we ever reach a point where areas will become a no-go area for our emergency services for the safety of personnel um, our, our mandate is Neil, that if we get a call to go somewhere we will go whether it's in the river whether it's in the top of a building whether it's in an open field we'll go there and where it's safe to put our crews in there we will and we'll carry out whatever needs to be done okay. whether it's a rescue rendering assistance but that's, that's our mandate and that's what the people in the Cork City Fire Service do to come in to serve the public and we don't expect to be attacked by the public, and that's basically it. OK, thank you for taking the call. As always, Victor Shine, second officer with Cork City Fire Brigade. I gave you chapter and verse there on five or six different incidents that involved the Fire Brigade uh, and Ungarda Shikona and how they were treated uh, going back as far as June of 2018. This is just the recent in a long, long list. Uh, I want to pick up with Liz Dumphy, who's with the Irish Examiner's husband following this story, but I hope Liz can wait till after the break. The Neil Prendival Show on Red FM. Converse that matters. Text 0868104106. Liz Dumphy from the Examiner joins me by phone. Liz, good morning. Um, good morning. And I know and I appreciate that uh, Victor Shine has to be somewhat guarded in how he responds to questions. But what do you understand of, of what happened? Because this would have been a, firstly a gathering, you're saying in the Examiner this morning, which would have been set up on WhatsApp and Instagram and social media where young gangs would come together and turn up in large numbers. Is that it? 
Yeah, that's my understanding of it. Essentially, um, apparently there was an anniversary of a, a tragic death of a young male, um, which people were gathering to acknowledge, I suppose. So um, as, um, you know, perhaps emotions uh, were high at the time, as local Champaign councillor McNugent said to me yesterday, um, so, yeah, that's the understanding that basically these messages went out on social media and people gathered. Like, I, I wasn't there at the scene myself, but I heard various reports of there being something like 70, 80 people there, perhaps. And, you know, apparently a car crashed. Two teenagers were taken to Cork University Hospital and there were fireworks set off. There was a lot of distress in the local area, obviously, because of the, the fire and the fireworks. You know, it's, it's a scary situation, really, isn't it? Yeah, and it's not um, too far from St. Vincent's GA Club, apparently, and people were coming exactly. out. Yeah, yeah. yeah, exactly. So um, actually, Thomas School, the TD um, in the area was saying that, you know, it was it was a miracle, really, or it was very lucky, at least that nobody was very badly injured by the fireworks as they were kind of leaving the GAA grounds. Um, he said that, that apparently the fireworks were being let, left off at head height. So that's obviously very concerning because, you know, <laughs> your head is something that needs to be protected from fireworks. How do you mean let off at um, head height? What does that mean? So that they were that they were kind of travelling at head height, the fireworks. So they were low in the air, essentially, as opposed to high in the air. Where oh, they're missiles! They're missiles, people. then, really, if they're doing that. They're missiles. Uh, that's how they were described, actually. Yeah, definitely, they were described as being d- discharged like missiles in the area. Um, and I was told that that they seem to be being aimed at emergency services, at first responders at the scene. But I spoke to a senior guard this morning, and I just think it's worth mentioning. They said that their understanding was that the guards didn't feel feel threatened by by them as such and that they they didn't feel that they were being aimed at them so um yeah just just to say that as well i suppose um so there are varying reports of the severity of it i suppose um but it, it's it's fair to say that locals definitely felt um fearful and distressed by the incident okay how long did it last about an hour and a half and then apparently it really calmed down and um, and there, there was no, there was no subsequent incident. But apparently, something similar happened at this time, at the, at the same time last year, which would have been the first anniversary of of the young, the young male's death. So, um, some local councillors were saying that they hope that this doesn't happen again next year. And I know Thomas Gould was co- talking for a policing plan to be put in place to respond to these kind of incidents and to to kind of nip them in the bud, I suppose. But why, 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 so the Guardian are saying it wasn't as bad as is being made out. I don't know why they would be saying that if these gangs of youths had their faces covered um, and were firing fireworks like missiles um, at, uh, and, and a Garda car has to leave the scene to try and draw the fire away from the, from the fire brigades. I mean, it, it paints a different picture to what the Guardian would seem to be trying to play down this morning. Yeah, there are conflicting reports, and unfortunately, I wasn't there at the scene myself. So, um, all you can do is is try to gather as many reports as you can, I suppose, and try to figure out, yeah, what what the the reality is. Also, p- different people will have different perspectives on the same incident. Realistically, kind of depending on where you're standing, or depending on how confident you feel in dealing with, you know, public disorder. Essentially, I suppose. So. Yeah. Is this the, but it, just, just finally is is so is this actually being investigated as a as a yes. criminal incident by Angarda Shikona? It's it's being investigated by Angarda Shikona. Inquiries are ongoing. The investigation is ongoing. Yes. 
Okay, okay. Thank you for the update. Do appreciate it as always. Liz Dunphy with the Irish Examiner. Text 0868104106. Perhaps you were there yourself. I'm not necessarily asking you to come on the air or anything like that. You can do if you wish. Uh, but if you might be able to shed some light on a text 0868104106. Pick up the phone on 0818104106. Now we'll come back to it throughout the course of the morning. Yesterday morning, quite an amount of response to different topics we were talking about on the air. I love this idea of the perfect day out in Cork and we shared this uh, on social media overnight and we're getting some lovely responses to it. How would you, if you were given a free day in Cork, how would you spend the day? Uh, so keep those coming, right? Whether you're responding to them on Facebook or Twitter or indeed by text Text 0868104106. If you want to share it in story form or fashion, you can do so to Neil at redfm.ie. And I'll tell you a little bit more this morning. We have some lovely prizes for it uh, on air. So we'll, we'll come back to that. Uh, you know, I was telling you about the 800 grand that was given. Uh, sorry, the 800 grand that was given to uh, 808, actually, to bring uh, pets over from um, Ukraine. Um, the government then giving 90 uh, million to help build roads in the north uh, of Ireland and 20 million towards a new stadium in the north of Ireland and 20 million to Palestine and millions upon millions to help Ukrainians. Um, 75% of a billion to other countries around the world. Yeah, that's our foreign aid bill is just under 800 million a year now. The money for the north is just trying to lure Sinn Féin voters away, I would think. There is political motivation and it says one one texter. And then a lot then um, on different topics, including our conversation regarding uh, travellers, uh, whether they can get in or can't get into different establishments. 27 million is a big deal for building new homes for travellers in Blackpool. Uh, what disgraceful conditions we allow ourselves, Indigenous Irish people, to live in. But we give uh, the Ukraine refugees the VIP treatment uh, and we know nothing about them. Uh, the Minister for Integration, Roger Gorman, does nothing for Irish people. His entire focus is on ho- housing asylum seekers. Well, I suppose that's why he's the Minister for Integration and, and what have you. The Ukrainian refugees get modular housing in Mahan, naturally fully fitted for them. Uh, why don't the travellers, for instance? Uh, that's an interesting point of view. And then uh, all sorts of craziness with regards to the event centre. 6,000 capacity, Neil, won't attract big name gigs it needs to be a minimum of 10,000 um, the marquee has a capacity of around about four and a half to 5,000 for many many years and it has attracted some fine big names in the past I can tell you so I know what you're right I mean if it was 10,000 you'd get bigger you get bigger but what we want it done is built like whether it's 6,000 or 10,000 that's not really the argument the argument is will it ever be built and how much is it going to cost us but thank you for those text 0868104106 back to the phone lines we go Loretta good morning good morning I wanted to touch base with you again this morning because the, I was dealing with the story earlier in the week where they were talking about seizing mini bottles of booze um, you know uh, drugs mobile phones all sorts of things getting into the prisons in Dublin and then I thought about you because you were being plagued with people in your front garden, throwing stuff over the prison wall uh, into the prisoners in Cork Jail. Is that still going on? It is, yeah. It is. It's still, it's still happening. Now, it, it, like, not maybe as much as it was, but it's still happening, like. Like, um, t- tell me any, any kind of recent incident that you can share with us. Well... Um, I came down from Dublin there. My son had an operation there, a heart operation, a couple of weeks ago, and uh, we were only just down. And 
and I put my up to bed and then he shows me he said man I'm sure there's a fire outside so I said a fire so I went out and there was a a young fella with a, a bag of tennis balls that he was pouring petrol over and lighting one by one and firing them over the wall what? that one hit yeah 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 so one came back into the garden so um, he actually set his hand on fire again like I said Jesus Christ like this is all so I actually went out and I said what are you doing with this stop and he said to me uh, do you think that went over I said what do you, uh, do you think that went over I said I don't give a shit where oh sorry Scarcy. I don't care where it went I said what are you doing I said you're setting fire I said you're lighting fire right beside my car and my house I said what are you doing I just want to see that come over I what? said look away Okay, I completely. It must be completely out of it. That's a stupid response to give to you, asking you. Did yeah, they, and then did and I have a good, did I have I a good shot? Me, yeah, and then when I said look away, and he said to me, "I will." Um, have you got a cigarette? I was like, "Geez." And this is from your garden. Yeah, from okay. my garden. And what? Yeah, and then why two was he? Why, well, hang a second. You explain to me why he was firing lighted tennis balls over the wall. Um, he was trying to burn the net in the yard. See where my house is situated, right beside the yard. So, um, if you look on Google Maps, you'll see my house is directly so adjacent to their yard. So if they throw something over, it's going into the yard. You know, um, so there's a net. No, it's it. I I think the prison told me it's actually like a steel net. So your no matter how many times they try and burn it, it won't. Your it man won't. doesn't know that with his light, with his burning. No, he doesn't. Balls. And I tried to explain it to him, and it didn't make any difference. Like. Okay, did, sorry, did I interrupt you? Was there another incident since we spoke last? Oh yeah, then some fella came up shouting and roaring um, at half past one in the morning, up to his friend, whoever his friend was, uh, that he'll see him in two weeks' time, and. Uh, just things like that and then he was shouting oh up the Glen Rats or something oh everyone is Glen's a rat or you know he was just shouting he was aggressive like because you're so close that there's windows that they shot up at isn't there oh yeah I literally like oh, like I can have a conversation with them if I want yeah and you, you have I mean? done it you have done you've had the chats in the past you could be putting out the washing yeah. oh, and somebody yeah. a prisoner is chatting down to you yeah, oh yeah, or they'd ask me if I'm heading to y'all, or they like my new car, or, you know, they'd call the children, I told you that before, like, the children were out playing, and I was calling them, they weren't listening to me, obviously, they're kids, and the, the fellow from the prison showed his own, he showed my kids' names and said, listen to your mother, go in home for your dinner. Do you, I mean, and do you, do you find that worrying, or is it just a bit of banter, or just a bit of... Listen, it'd be a bit of banter if I knew who it was. Okay, okay. You know what I'm saying? Like, like I have on occasion been told to bring the children in from the back garden because, as they call him, a hairy, which is a pervert or a paedophile or whatever, I've been in the, 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 the cells. Could be near the window, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, yeah. so some of them and by are... night as well, if their lights are on, uh, so no matter what they're doing in the cell, if their lights are on by night and they're standing by the window, I can see them. Right. Okay. Okay. You can see their silhouettes, or if you can imagine the shapes yeah. they'd be making in the yeah. So if um, if 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 they manage to get through the net, right? Um, what 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 mm-hmm. do you think they're throwing in? It's, 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 clearly, it's it's drugs, right? It could be I don't know, 
cocaine, crack cocaine, heroin, could be pills or tablets, is it? Inside everything, everything. We've found a lot of parcels in the garden. There's everything in them. So what have you found? Everything. Um, benzos, heroin, cocaine, loads. Like, just all these little parcels. Actually, tiny phones. Small little mobiles, yeah. Small mobiles, yeah. So you have to be careful with That's children. It. Be careful with children then that they don't pick up these packages and think it's. Oh, it's, they have done. Like they have, they have done. They have picked up. Um, um, my next door neighbour's child came in home one with him a bag, literally a bag of about twenty, thirty tablets, blue tablets. Um, I think um, them and another tablet that somebody identified after as the Xanax sticks that they get off the internet. Okay. Which are okay. highly dangerous. And only that, they're warned from, so, from such a small age, like that, and no matter what you find in the terrace, don't put your hand in it. Do you know what I mean? Because it's so, it's just happening all the time. And do you know the characters who are throwing the stuff in or attempting to throw it in from your garden? Why are, why are they doing that? Uh, have they pals inside or is it, is it yeah, a business, yeah, is it a business for this them? Fella, yeah, this young fella was talking to a fella up the window and they were just, uh, conversating between them and he was saying I done that there now I done that there now so I don't know are they, how they're communicating it with each other but maybe maybe he came up earlier that day and he shouted up and he probably had a conversation I don't know yeah yeah. but I'd say that's, that's what's happening like no, I was on to the governor and that and they, they they did come out and they're trying to start the problem now but like it's still happening like so, the, the, in, spite, in spite of the fact that there's a metal mesh net and what have you, they're still trying to throw things in. Yeah, but they must be getting it in. This, you think? this was my point. They must. They, they have to be getting something in because otherwise they would stop trying. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I suppose it depends how big the gaps are in the net. That's it. Yeah. 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 Okay. Okay. So, and I think that's why they're burning the tennis balls because if they put something into the tennis ball. No, there's nothing in them. That's, that's just to burn them, I suppose, and then t- attempt to... No, 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 no. They're, they're stuffed dry. So oh, when they, they burn them... Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so whatever is inside them, the burning tennis ball... Middle, what, what is it? Fall cover- through the, yeah. yeah, it will fall through the net. Covered in tin foil or something to protect it or something like that. Yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. Covered in tin foil, yeah. Okay. And your man then, did he just go off on his merry way then, tennis ball man? Oh, yeah. He did, yeah. Uh, he did and came back the next night with a hurley and was hitting coal over the wall with the hurley. Coal? To see how far, yeah, yeah, to see how far uh, it would go in. Like this a practice? It was just off his head. Like a practice run or something? Like a practice thing, yeah. Sorry to hear yeah. it hasn't the same stopped. Young, I was only about 17 or 18. Like, it's actually sad. It's, it's sad to see him because he was just destroyed, like. Your man was destroyed. He was, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was out of it, like, you know. We live in, we live in different times, don't we? Yeah, do you know what? It's actually heartbreaking, heartbreaking to watch. I mean, I was done there 17 and I can't imagine, you know. Mm-hmm. Trying to keep like, you know, children to be like that. Like, yeah. Even when I spoke to him, he actually, like, like he's, he spoke well, very well, you know. He spoke lovely. You get like the impression no, that he's lost, like kind of totally and utterly lost, yeah. you know. Yeah. 
Sad. Uh, yeah, because even when I was telling him not to do it, it was like it was just going over his head. Do you know, he was so out of it that he was like, do you think I got it over? And uh, then I was shouting at him like. All right, girl, listen, sorry to hear it hasn't gone away. You're still dealing with it, still trying to get stuff in over the wall. Thanks, Loretta. Much obliged. No bother. Cheers. Take care. Text 0868104106. Back after the break. Text or WhatsApp Neil now. 0868104106. The Neil Prenderville Show on Red FM. Just quickly, I was talking yesterday about uh, mastectomy bras and government cutting and slashing the amount of funding or actual mastectomy bras and prosthesis that have been given to women who have come through uh, breast cancer and breast removal. Eilish says, why do you need mastectomy bras and prosthesis explained to you? Isn't it self-explaining enough? Well, I thought it was a reasonable question to ask. Honest to God, beam me up from this disgraceful country. What genius of an Egypt came up with having ladies' entitlements? It is the lowest of the low, says Eilish. Uh, no bras for women with cancer, but 800,000 bringing Ukrainian pets in. I wonder actually sometimes do even the politicians roll their eyes to heaven and say, oh my God, who makes these decisions? Uh, one final one. It's, a dis- it's disgraceful conduct to women who have suffered their share from breast cancer. The doctors are the ultimate winners here once again. You might ask why. As an elderly woman, I needed an eye test for an over 75's driving license. I did my eye test, got a form from the doctor just to sign and I was charged 50 euro. I queried the charge and then decided to send an email to the government. The reply was amazing. They said words to the effect of we have no control over what doctors charge. Well, you'd wonder why you would even have to go to the doctor to get any form signed. If you got the eye test, surely be to God that would do it. 50 euros, a lot of money for anybody to spend. Uh, and then lots on the price of drink. In fact, to tell you what I do, I'm out of time for now. We'll come back to that because uh, we spoke a lot about the price of alcohol. And there's a big response to that yesterday, particularly with regards to the price of the pint on Lee side. So all of that after 10. The Neil Prenderville Show on Red FM. Conversation that matters. Yes, indeed. We were talking yesterday with the head of the Vintners, Pat Crotty. Um, nobody on 60 to 70 grand a year can afford a house in Dublin. Uh, you know, we're looking at many, many people earning less than six, 35,000 a year and they're absolutely goosed. They haven't a chance of ever affording a home. We need to have a conversation this is about wages incidentally my apologies we need to have a conversation about this in this country Uh, nobody with money is ever affected by any changes it's always the little guy Uh, so that's on on wages Um, that was to do with uh, the amount of money that um, people are paid when they work in hospitality you know that you earn a wage that's so low unfortunately that you're never ever going to be able to um, unless you move up through the ranks or open your own business or whatever uh, get a mortgage. So thank you for that text. Just listening about the price of a pint in Dublin. We were in the Cliff House in Ardmore last weekend. It was nine euro for a pint bottle of Bulmers. Go to the Tower Hotel in Ardmore and it's 11 euro for two pint bottles and plenty of crack. Um, now, I suppose there's a difference in the star in the star ratings maybe. The Cliff House is a five star hotel and maybe it could be fair to say that's the sort of price to be expected in a five star. It mightn't be fair. There might be a huge markup, but they would probably say, look around you. 
Look at the settings where you are. <laughs> but still, nine euro for a pint bottle of Bulmers. We're not far off the tenor in some places. On the vintners, ask them how can Weatherspoons offer such value? Be interested actually to have another look at a Weatherspoons beer menu just to see the cost and prices of them. They're supposed to be ridiculously low. I don't know how they do it. The price of drink might help to wake the sheep up to revolution. This is a rip-off republic in every single way. Cars, drink, houses, uh, sit back and they tell us that everything's okay when it's not. Uh, there's an Irish pub here in Trondheim in Norway where it is 15 euro for a pint of Guinness. I get it. Mind you, somebody says they were recently in Glasgow at the weekend and it's £3.25 for a pint bottle of Magners. Spanish prices, the same, varies, but it's never any more than a fiver. And to be fair, it's not the publicans that are increasing the price of drink to line their pockets. It's the government loading the drink with taxes, wage increases, increasing sick days, astro- astronomical energy bills, um, from which the Bennett government benefit as well, and massive rates on properties. Publicans have to increase the price of drink to keep their doors open. One thing you don't mention in all that is, of course, the brewers also increase the, increase the prices, the likes of Diageo and Heineken. Happy days, Neil, when going to the pub 15 or 20 years ago, every Saturday and Sunday, and the pubs would be full to the rafters. Unfortunately, those days are well gone. I know of pubs now who are just saying that the Sky Sports is not worth it at €400 Euro a week anymore. Yeah, you're damned if you do because it's costing you a fortune in the pub and you're damned if you don't because people want to see the matches. Alcohol is too expensive. The government gets €2 Euro out of each pint. It's probably more than €2, Euro, to be honest. It's cheaper to drink at home and buy it in the off-license. A bottle of Jameson is €23 Euro in the supermarket. There are 25 drops in a bottle at €5.20 Euro a drop in the pub. That means the equivalent pint if a bottle in a pub would cost you €130. Euro. You can get it for 23 in the supermarket. Home drinking has increased. Drug taking has increased. And it's all cheaper than the pub thanks to this out-of-control government spending or taxation. Breweries and publicans will have to reduce prices or pubs will keep closing. It's a sad day in Ireland when that happens. Well, 2,000 have closed in the last uh, 18 years. Publicans are not grabbing you by the hand and pulling you in. If you're not happy with the price, move on, says Jim. Uh, One more for now. I used to work in my local pub. Compared to 10 years ago, I see a lot of younger people drinking in there these days. Just on a Saturday, there were 15 lads in their early 20s watching the Man City-Chelsea game. A few days before that, there was a group of another 15 fellas in who I think were out for a few pints after finishing their pre-leaving certificate exam. So that's probably saying that I'm not 100% accurate when I'm saying that younger people are turning away from the pubs. Keep them coming. Text 0868104106. Just back to incidents that we reported from Tuesday night uh, in the north side, up around Kilmore Road in Knocknahini. These issues are not in any way exclusively a north side problem. We've got all sorts of antisocial behaviour. Talked a lot about Douglas earlier in the week, but the events of Tuesday night leave a lot to be desired where fireworks were being fired like missiles at the fire brigades and indeed on Garda Shikona. McNugent is a Cork City Northwest councillor with Sinn Féin. Uh, he texted me to say that he was there himself actually, so he might be able to give us a, a little more insight into what went on. Mick, good morning. Uh, good morning, Neil. Okay, were you, were, you, were you coming from St. Vincent's or something that you were there, or were you just passing? No, I, funny enough, I was actually at a community safety forum meeting, a policing meeting up in Mayfield, and I just got word of um, 
Tom's school actually contacted me at war. There was issues up there, so I went up there. So it was kind of there maybe for the latter half of the of the incidents. Yeah. It's kind of ironic you were going at a policing meeting in Mayfield, but anyway, what 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 can you describe? What what did you see? <laughs> yeah, and actually there was a policing meeting not the night before, and it was, you know, it was actually things were said to be generally quiet, right? But when I got there, um, I was talking to people on Kilmore Road, local people, and quickly got up to speed. What was happening? There was still fireworks being said set off while while I was there, you know. But I suppose after. A period of time, the guards were there, the ambulances were there, um, and I think there was people watching what was going on, and there was still a large group of younger people there. And after a while, things kind of quietened down. And after that, what did you? But what did you see with regards to the fireworks being fired at emergency service and guard personnel? I didn't see that. Well, I was there. Fireworks were being set off into the air. No, like there was one or two that went horizontally. But talking to people and all reports later, and the guards, and I was talking to the guards there as well. They confirmed that there was there had been some fireworks fired at them. You know, now the guards talking to the guards there, they generally seemed un, under pressure. And actually talking to the guard and the guards, I was actually saying to the guard, I was just after coming from a, a community policing meeting in Mayfield. And actually mentioned it to the guards up there that you might want to contact Gran and Braher. They might need a hand. Um, so the guards said, yeah, if we got more numbers, we could definitely do with them, you know. That's kind of up the pressure they're under at the time. This has to do with an annual anniversary commemoration or something, does it? Yeah, look, it's it's a kind of a sensitive one, as far as I know. Um, a young person who died um, tragically a couple of years ago, um, it was kind of a gathering to mark that. Because uh, it was the same situation to a lesser degree twelve months ago. Um, and it's it just, look, it's, it, it just happened then that two young fellas crashed a car. Is it then that then caught on fire? Yeah, there was yeah there was a car it was a car crashed just I suppose on Kilmore Road lower, um damaged a bollard there, and there was the car caught on fire afterwards. Now the car was uh, removed um, from the scene, but when I was there, the ambulance were still there, so. I think there was at least one person still being treated while I was there in the ambulance. So yes, I think I think you said paramedics were trying to work on people in ambulances while fireworks were going over their heads. Yeah, yeah well, yeah, yeah, well, fireworks, yeah, just up a bit up the road, fireworks were still being set off at that time, and just talking to young people or talking to people in the area, look, residents, they look, they were upset about it, they were shook about it. Um, as mentioned, you know, we had. St Vincent J Club is quite close by as well so there was actually training going on there and that so not an ideal situation for anybody at all in the area Okay, um, we're looking at over 70 apparently um, faces covered apparently? I didn't see that no, somewhere down the road but there was definitely dozens of young people still still there um, you know, they dispersed afterwards in around the local area and it was around the area and uh, drove around and things seemed to be I know there was reports that there was still incidents later that night um, but I hadn't heard that it seemed to be quiet it seemed to quieten down um, while I was there so I don't know if it had picked up again later on I think the fireworks had finished at, at that stage Neil OK um, things just seem to get worse don't they? Yeah look I think to be Jans Neil and I know you were you know as, as you said yourself it's not just in, in that area. Um, I was saying it was, it's kind of an isolated incident. I think it's possibly the most serious incident since the same time last year. 
But I think what needs to be needs to happen, we do need I think all the relevant agencies, I think we need the guards, primarily the guards, city council and everybody, youth services, everybody in the area to say, look, we need a plan to deal with it. We certainly don't want to be here in 12 months time again. And I'm talking to you possibly and yeah. the same situation. Well, happens, I think a lot know? of people who listen to this radio programme say the same thing over and over again. They feel as if they're untouchable and probably are because of their age, you know? Possibly, but I think, you know... As again, as I said, it was just ironic. I mean, the night before the community policing meeting, we were actually talking about, you know, trying to reach out to young people, youth services in the area. Like, I am involved with St. Vincent J Club, and we were talking about, you know, trying to get young people to, into sports and keep them there afterwards, you know. Um, so I think we need to look at that element of it as well. But we also have to say what happened the other night was out of order, you know, and I think people involved... Just need to reflect as well because it's okay. Look, if you're remembering a friend bought fireworks in a built up residential area and fired them at first responders. Well, it's not just fireworks. I've given out a list earlier on of uh, stones and bottles and um, bricks and stuff like that being thrown at emergency personnel in the past. Um, they've had to in the past, on. yeah, in the past, but I don't, yeah, they, don't need to they're, happen they're, they're, seen, they're seen as a what, what these thugs seem to be like a, a fair target, you know. I don't know yeah, I didn't see. I don't need to happen the other night, but the fireworks. I think people just need to reflect on you know people involved and a built up residential area. You know, even if you're remembering a friend, that's not the way to go about it. You know, I'm I'm sure families wouldn't want that, and you're affecting basically your your neighbours, possibly your wider family. You know, if people just don't want that sort of incident on, on the night, I think we're all, you know, a lot of us are working in the area, you yeah. know, trying to progress things. And people who want to just, be living amongst that, they just don't want to have to live no, amongst No, that. no, no. And, you look, know, there may not be another reoccurrence, but I just, I just think it's important now. I mean, this is two years in a row. Now, there wasn't, you know, that we've had incidents like that. And there's been one or two other sporadic incidents. But I just think we just want to be here in 12 months' time, I think just probably no, no, no but we have look, arrived at a time now. We have arrived, and we've arrived at it some time ago. Whether it's the ambulance, or whether it's the fire brigade, or whether it's guard of cars, there are sections of society who regard those as fair game, fair targets, and that was not. Yeah, the way yeah, 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 yeah. Look, and and obviously, uh, obviously, that's not on, you know. Um, but I just think we need to pick it up now from here Neil and just see we need the guards need to get involved when needs to get involved and say look reflect on what happened but I think Neil it brings into onus what we've been saying you know even if it's a sporadic incident I think it brings into focus the issue of the guards being able to respond to an incident like that and in terms of what numbers are available to them to respond to an incident like that because right. being there the other night it didn't seem to me, they didn't seem they had adequate cover to deal with the incident, you know. Okay, all right, let's get the public's view on it again. Thank you for that, uh, Councillor Mick Nugent. What do you think should be done? Text 0868104106. It goes uh, from bad to worse. Back after the break. Text or WhatsApp Neil now. 0868104106. The Neil Prenderville Show on Red FM. Uh, with Mercedes-Benz Cork, they could be off their head. Maybe half of them are off their head when they're behaving like this. I don't know. When our laws protect the lawless, when our laws embolden the very worst worst cohorts of society and all but guarantee the antisocial youths of today will grow up to be the violent 
adult criminals of tomorrow, says uh, Richie. This anarchy will get more and more out of control as thugs have been allowed to do as they want. It's always the same response and the same answers of this we can't touch them crap. This country is heading downward so fast uh, in another few years it will be so much worse than it is now. Adding to that, we have one of the highest debts in the world per head. That's another scary fact. Yeah, it's 40-odd thousand per person, I think, in this country now, and going from bad to worse. So we'll come back to those, uh, keep those texts coming. Text 0868104106. Extra guards aren't going to be enough to stop all of the terrible road deaths that are reported. Cars need to be modified so they can't be driven over a particular speed. Young people are in control of cars that are far too powerful for them. Uh, Somebody's suggesting there that it's bad driving habits or speed. And then I have a dodgy box for 10 years and all I'm hearing every year is that they're clamping down on it. I've had a fire stick for three years. Long may it continue. They say they're always clamping down, but they never get around to doing it. I I don't know whether it's a PR exercise or whether they actually do it, but I I do know of a pub in Lickshnaw last year that uh, had to pay Sky big money for having some sort of a a dodgy box. Uh, And then for people who either work or don't work remotely, cutting remote workers' wages, they're suggesting. That's pure, unadulterated greed. What about the money companies are saving by not having to heat buildings and the fact that workers will probably carry on work in the evening at home to catch up? If I were a remote worker, uh, I would go back to the office, save on electricity, save on heating at home, and general wear and tear of the carpet, the kettle and the lights. People to work from home, it must be an early April Fool's Day. I'm not quite sure what you mean by that, but they are talking about people who are working from home being paid less, which is absolutely disgraceful because it's costing you money. You're you're right in the winter time on lighting and indeed on heat and everything else like that. While it saves many companies have got rid of offices now. They just didn't renew the lease. They just gave up on paying the rent uh, because they have workers working at home and it's a hell of a lot cheaper for them. On the cost of drink, I was speaking to a friend from Dublin yesterday and he was charged €10.75 for a pint in Temple Bar. So it's well and truly gone over a tenner. The Guinness was €8.90. I worked on the door at Gogarty's in Temple Bar. A pint at one stage was €7.50 and then it rose to over a tenner just because it was after 10pm. That was the price change. Not only that, but there was no live music in this pub that I worked in. It was the soundtrack from Greece played every day on repeat. <laughs> oh my God, that would have been enough not to go to work. So keep them coming. Text 0868104106. Pick up the phone on 0818104106 and just two or three more. Why do people drink at home? It's so boring. You need to get out for a few pints and a chat to meet with people and have conversations. It's true, it's true, but it's the cost of it. What always bugged me was that that when the brewers put up the price, the publican also put their bit on top. Why was this, says Anthony? Um, Yesterday, uh, Pat Crotty from the Vintners answered that question for me. He said that publicans hold off on putting up their prices until the breweries put it up and then they do it at the same time. It's not opportunistic. They're just holding off until the brewers do it. The pub atmosphere improved overnight when the men's sheds opened. How's that? How's that? Those pubs should be banned, as in the prices of them. Uh, the price, prices have gone way too expensive. The pubs are the cause of many marriage breakups. It's only a mugs game, the pubs, says Jur in Ardfurt. Ban them. Stay away from them rather an extreme measure don't you think anyway keep it coming pick up the phone on 0818104106 back to the phone lines we go hold on to Russell there I'll talk to him in a second if you don't mind Martina good morning 
Morning, Neil. How are you? Um, what What do you make of of recent events? Um, I suppose the way I look at it, Neil, is every time there's a young person out late at night and they're they're underage, they're under eighteen. Um, is there not a parent or parents wondering where are they? What are they doing? Um, I mean, when I was growing up. My parents knew where I was 100%. Possibly time. depends on the night. time of the night, you know? It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Um, I mean, what I'm seeing now is there's no respect for life. There's no respect for death either. We have incidences happening in graveyards where it's just glorifying a tragedy. And, you know, it's it's upsetting for the families who seem to have no... In, in, you know, young people gathering to remember somebody who died. Well, this is um, what happened, but let me just put it to you. This yeah. one on Kilmore Road was 7 o'clock in the evening. 7 o'clock. It wasn't yeah. 11 or 12 at yeah. night. 7 o'clock. Yeah, yeah. Is that not... But even so... W- would you still want Would you still want parents to know where a 16 or 17-year-old is at 7 p.m.? You would? But where, where does the parents' role end? All I hear is people going, the guards have to do something about this. The politicians have to do something about this. All of these young, young people, I sound like an old woman now, but all of these young people have parents. They have homes. And I'm just wondering, what is going on? Um, and and there's a, I think there's a general sort of, you know, everything has gone downhill. We have... You know, I was saying to Seamus there, we have young people out on the roads. Um, there's a death a day now, I think, or, or somebody being killed tragically. They're yeah. all of a certain age. What I see out on the roads... Means, Is it a case that why would you mark a tragedy by gatherings like this and fireworks? Yeah, yeah. yeah. It doesn't, it doesn't yeah, really... It's, it's completely... It's, a dis, it's disrespectful. I mean, death is, is final. And I, I think at times... When you're young, you know, I remember you don't actually absorb the final, how final death is. It is the end. And then to to cheapen that with, um, you know, fireworks and noise and just just scumbaggery, really. Okay. And what, 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 do you, what do you mean when you text that you have dash cam and you can see what they're doing round yeah. the clock? What does that um, mean? I, I'm, I'm, I, I'm on the road a lot. You know, in West Cork, you, you drive everywhere. And the levels of aggression out on the road, Neil, is, is off the scale. And I can tell you, and I, you know, I have dash cams because I was demented from young fellas in BMWs, souped up BMWs, cassettes, um, tailgating me, overtaking me, cutting me out. Um, just the levels of aggression are off the scale. Yesterday I was coming back from Bantry to Dermanway and I could see in the rearview mirror there was two BMWs both around an, an 11C and a 10C and they all the way from Derman, or from Bantry to Dermanway they were overtaking each other they were, they were actually playing games on the road so this is what's going on out there we can blame bad roads we can blame all kinds of things when you're in the car, you're in control of that car. 
Well, we're, we're, so so they were behaving in a dangerous manner in the sense they were overtaking each other on blind bends yeah. and blind yes, bends yes, and stuff yes. like that and narrow roads and things. Pulling up next to each other, you know, continuous white line, pulling up next to each other then and you could see them scutting, you know, giving each other the finger. And, so to pull up um, next to each other, they've got to be on both lanes. Yeah, on, yeah both lanes have to be blocked, um, you know, so... This is what's going on out there every day. There's no mystery at all to why there is such carnage on the road. That's no interesting. You say there is no yeah. mystery at all when you hear of young people Absolutely. dying on our roads. Not, no. Because I see it every single day. Coming against me over the white line, cutting corners, speeding, aggression. When I was learning to drive, I was taught about reading the road. Reading the road is when you're looking ahead. You're looking ahead of what's happening. You're checking behind. You're not looking at your phone. You're not, um, you know, and, and this is what's going on. If you're not reading the road, you're going to get a shock. And then is it, that they're, the is it that they're so young? 18, 20, 22, 23, a lot of the time, four more deaths in the last two days. Is it that they don't... Yeah, you do, see, I, I suppose it's just you don't see the level of the level of danger. My father always says it's very easy to drive a car fast. It's a whole different story to stop it safely. Um, there's a, photogra- there's a photograph of a tragedy there over the weekend, over the last couple of days. I won't go into details about it, but it was young people. But the car mm. ended up upside down. I don't know yeah. what it hit. It, it demolished a wall and the car is an absolute wreck. It's Hello. just a mangled yeah. wreck. Yeah. And, you know, here, uh, all all around the, the countryside, on rural roads, every weekend we can hear the donuts, we can hear the, the engines revving. Um, they're driving around, you can see this everywhere, they're driving around with the legal plates, legal headlights, those, those you know, um, they take them off them when they go to the NCT, the car is passed, they, they put back on their, their bits and bobs then after the NCT. Um, so it's no mystery, you know, every weekend you okay. see around okay. somewhere in West Cork that, you know, a car has gone off the road, it's upside down in the ditch, it's there, it'll get pulled out later on. Obviously the people are right, are all right, they're able to get out of the car, but it's no mystery. You can blame the roads, you can blame, but the bottom line is the person who is behind the steering wheel is responsible for themselves, their passengers and the vehicle they're, that they're driving. And that's, you know, we have reckless driving going on out there. There's um, a stat out now, 33 road deaths this year, and we're yeah. not even into the end of February, which is yeah. three more than at the same time last year. And last year was a decade high Mm. So we're looking at yeah. year on we're year, on year increase, 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 increase. Yeah. If something isn't done about okay. Okay. The, the, just the overall attitude of, of you know, of somebody who's driving a very powerful car. When I, my first car was a Fiesta, and that would be the case for most people. You'd get, you know, a small handy car. Not a souped-up BMW, yeah. Not, not a souped-up, okay. you know, not, not an Audi. Okay. Not any of those huge cars. So okay. look, you can you can come back to me in six months, but I reckon, unfortunately, the carnage is going to continue and continue and continue. 
Okay, stay in touch. Appreciate you taking the call, Martina, and go safely. It's not about you going safely, but it's those that you're sharing the road with going safely as well as everything else. Can I just stay with car-related stories? just want to do this uh, because I've been um, looking at this story for the past couple of days and there's never the right nor wrong time to see if you can help somebody out. I want to talk to, I want to, talk to Russell Bevan, who's on, on line one and does great work in the local community himself and his wife. Russell, good morning. Now, yourself and your wife both work for a charity on the north side and you provide seven-day-a-week meals on wheels. Do you cook the food? Yeah, we do. We prepare it, cook it, deliver it. Uh, we shop for the food. You know, we do everything, basically. Okay. And, um, and on a weekly basis, how many meals? Uh, on a weekly basis, between 220 and 250. Um, yeah. 250 about over seven days. And if, I know, if I'm right, Meals on Wheels gives different types of food every day. So it, it's quite elaborate, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, we, we try to um, obviously give them what the HSE direct, you know, it's like nutritional meals. Okay. Um, but do, do you get funding for that? Yeah, we do. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, in that respect, like, that's that's not an issue. Yeah, okay, um, yeah. But, but, but much, we, of it, we, much of it has to do out of passion, though, because this is taking we, 100 hours a week. Well, I mean, that, that's a conservative estimate. You know, we, we could do more than that most weeks, but I, I didn't want to, um, you know, make it sound as though we don't have any life. <laughs> no, we do have... We, we have the occasional hour to ourselves. But, yeah, well, you know, most, we, most people we, might work 38 to 40 hours a week that you're doing at least but, 100 or perhaps more. I, I, I just wanted to, I wanted to acknowledge yeah. that. I mean, the, the thing is, like, if we're not in the community centre, I'm at home doing paperwork or we're out shopping or running errands for people, you know, uh, we dictate, um, well, we, we dedicate our lives to, like, helping the... We, we just enjoy it, you know. Um, and you also would be going to the service provider, those that you're giving the food to, yeah? Yeah, yeah. 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 Do you, and, and um, would that be, by and large, pensioners? Uh, the majority are. There's one or two younger people that mm. obviously might have intellectual disabilities know. or, yeah, know. you know. But the majority would be, yeah. And the, you know, the important thing is, like, the service, like, the dinners are important, but it's also the contact with the people. So you'd have the yeah, chats, we, or you do the odd message for them and things yeah. like that? Yeah. If they want, you know, just little things, even though you're told, obviously, you know, you're not meant to, but... Hard you, not you to. say no to someone. No, it's hard know. not to have a chat if somebody strikes up a conversation with you. You know, uh, and I mean, we, we could be the only people they see, you know, day in, day out. God knows, particularly yeah. in the dark winter months, right? Very much so. Yeah. You know, it's, you know, I mean, it's, it's hard enough for people that, you know, can actually go out and work and meet and have conversations with other people. Yeah. Are you in? Are you in? Away. Are you in the community centre now? You are. I am. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of activity going on around there. But anyway, I was going to say, yeah. Sorry about that. But, uh, that's all right. But let me let me cut to the chase. Yeah, the food's going out, and I won't keep you. I promise you, because I know you got a lot on. But your old faithful, your 14 year old Ford Focus, has packed in on you, has it? Yeah, the clutch is gone, and the mechanic has told us, you know, we'll just be wasting money. Um, it's put um, in many years of um, charitable service for Meals on Wheels, the say, focus. It's, it's done about 300,000 miles, you know, <laughs> and most of that would be short journeys around, obviously, like, 
it the needs best a, way with concentrated. It needs a rest. But, uh, well, it's going to get one whether it likes it or not. It's now, because, get you know, a permanent it's rest. And anyway, <laughs> it's, it's and, stuck at the moment on. And you definitely need it, of course. You must get a replacement for it, and hence this phone call. What are you looking for help with? The replacement of it? Yeah, well, we're looking, hoping that someone is going to be very charitable. Um, You know, maybe a company or someone that would provide us with a vehicle. Now, it's not for myself, it's for my wife. I don't even drive, you know, so... um, But what I've noticed is, like, since we've lost the vehicle, you don't realise how much of an inconvenience not having a car is. Uh, and and, and this is not for personal use, this is for Meals on Wheels? This would be for Meals on Wheels to do the shopping. Um, like we ferry, or well, I don't, my wife ferries people backwards and forwards to the centre. Yeah. Um, you know, can you move away? Can you move away from wherever you are there, Russell? It's, it's difficult to hear you with the back chat. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, um, I think the the thing is, like I say, it's the inconvenience of not having a vehicle. Um, like we we're not looking for anything like um, you know up to date, modern, flashy, anything like that. It's just got to be roadworthy. You said roadworthy um, because it will be carrying heavy loads to get you from A to B safely, delivering meals on wheels to the needy. Uh, maybe 220, 250 of them a week. Well, people would want that work to continue, you know, so you'd never know who might be listening. um, I was going to say, the thing is, you know, whether we're fortunate enough if someone comes forward, um, the work will go ahead because, you know, even through bad weather and that, when the cars couldn't do things, we walk around, you know, irrespective of how long it takes because, like, getting a meal to people... You know, that's what we're here for. And it's the north side, isn't it? That's your greater parish area, the elderly, the infirm, the intellectually disabled or those living with disabilities in the parish to get them their food and their meals every yeah, single we, we, day. Yeah, We're a parish of um, quite a lot of old people. Yeah. Okay, 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 yeah. okay. So you're asking if somebody might be able to gift some second-hand car, well, pre-owned car. Yeah, I mean, that's what we'd love, you know, Um like I say, it's just for my wife to use, um, okay. you know, to ferry me around, like going shopping, because obviously, you know, we, we don't shop at the same places all the time because it depends what's on offer, because mm. we've got a strict budget to stick to, so yeah. we have to shop around. Yeah. Um, and like I say, it's those, it, it's like the additional things. Like we had a lady today ring up, she's got a hospital appointment, so she wanted her dinner delivered a bit later. Yeah. But like the drivers we have, they'll finish by then. Now, previously, my wife would have taken it. Totally, yeah, you'd have the flexibility of it. You don't get any help from the HSE or government departments or anything with this, do you? Typically not. We we get the use of a van three days a week. Yeah, um, okay, okay. Yeah, okay. But like I say, we do have volunteers. You know, like we've got plenty of um, people willing to help, but it's outside of the hours we're here. That's when we need the, like the car, really. Okay, yeah. okay, to replace the fourteen-year-old uh, Ford Focus that is done. How many? How many thousands did you say? It's done three hundred thousand plus. So okay, yeah, I mean, it's been a good servant. It's just you know, it's a good ad for the Ford Focus, nonetheless. But listen. Um, 
you got in touch and I didn't want to ignore your, your request. Um, let's see if anybody in is, is in a position. You'd never know who might be listening yeah, I mean, and might hopefully. have something. I'd say, you know, I mean, if it doesn't, but I thought it was worth, you know, just okay. putting in a okay. out. Okay, well, yeah. I'd, be, I'd be interested to see if people respond. So let us see, Russell, and uh, I'll be back to you if anybody's interested in maybe helping out, all right? That's great, yeah. Okay, if you're in a position to help Russell Bevan and his wife and the great work they do as part of the Meals of Wheels on the north side, uh, do get in touch. Uh, Text 0868104106 if you've got wheels, if you've got a motor, and you wouldn't mind letting them have it. Uh, Text 0868104106. Text or WhatsApp Neil now. 0868104106. The Neil Prenderville Show on Red FM. All righty, okay, let's stay with this because uh, things move quite quickly in Cork City and things move quite quickly on this here radio program. Uh, Russell? Yeah. What's your your wife's name? You don't drive. What's your wife's name? Uh, Teresa. Her her name's Teresa. Teresa, okay. Is she there with you? She's not, unfortunately, because she's got no... Car. She's at home. Oh, no, no, no. Right. She she has a car. We want you to tell her that we have got her a car. Oh, that's great. Uh, she'll be made up. She'll be, ma- she'll be made up, as in she'll yeah. be delighted. Is that what that means? Exactly. Yeah. Okay. That, that... I, can't believe it. I can't believe you got something, you know? <laughs> Unbelievable. It's quite quick, actually. Let, let, me, let me just explain. Fergus Thompson is the owner of Blackpool Auto Centre on the Watercourse Road. I know it. I often pass the shiny cars just across from Watercourse Road Garda Station. I see them. Fergus, good morning. Good morning, Neil. How are you? You have a fine selection of motors there, Fergus, but there's one of them that you want to give away? Ah, yeah, Neil, if it's a good cause, let that be fantastic to help people like that, you know? That is just so generous of you. What What do you have in mind? Um, we have, um, well, we have one or two cars there, I mean, to be honest, but we could give them, um, we have um, a Kia C there. Um, I think it'd be a nice little car for, you know, doing what he needs to do, help the people and uh, be a very economical car to run. Oh my God! It's a be- that's almost that's almost like a bit of an SUV, isn't it? It's got a, it's a, is it kind of thing? Well, it'd be something similar to the Ford Focus style, Neil. You know. Okay, okay, okay. And something similar like that. Okay. Hopefully, well, we might help him out if if it, if it can, you know. So this would be, as a typical example, a Kia Seed Diesel 2011. It's got about 120 thousand on the clock, and it's it's NCT'd and it's good to go. We're good to go. We just give it a quick service from Neil. That'd be about it, did. Oh my God, man! That I mean, that is just incredibly generous of you. No problem. Are you are you born and are you born and reared Northsider? I am Neil from Fairhill, Knockfree Avenue. Well, they're delivering meals and wheels to many people, many elderly people around the north side. So it's going to a great cause. Ah, well done, well done. It's very kind of you. Great cause that the lads are doing. It's very kind of you. So, Bevan, um, I'm looking at a photograph of it here. It's a beautiful kind of a sky blue Kia Seed. It's immaculate. It's got no, alloys. It? No, or, or I'm looking, maybe I'm just looking at a typical one, is it? Yeah, looking at a typical one, yeah, but it's not that one, Neil. It's actually Wise Care. Right, okay, okay, okay. We don't have it up online or anything like that yet, Neil, you know? I'm sorry, I thought I was looking at it from your showroom. I'm not, I'm just looking at a typical one as to what they look like. No, so, Russell, so, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get you to hook up, Russell. Um, and, yeah, and, that's great. And, and sort it out. Yeah, no problem. Thanks very much. Um, but I, I'm just gobsmacked. You know? 
Um, yeah. I, was say, I was very hopeful because like, I've heard before, like, you know, what great work you do and... It's got yeah. nothing to do with me, man. I just give people an opportunity to share no, their story. I have to say... I'm the putter that puts them in touch. You know, that's the important yeah, thing. Yeah, I'm, I'm the putter in toucher. That's me. But I'm surprised, actually, at the response that it's so quickly, that happened so quickly. Shouldn't be surprised, though, because Cork people are so generous. And Fergus Thompson... I've passed your showrooms many times, Fergus, and there are beautiful cars there. I hope things are going well for you, are they? Oh, thanks, Neil. Thank you very much. I think it's tipping away nicely, Neil, you know? Good man. Well... It's a yeah. big thing to just give away a car like that, so it's incredibly kind of you. We've made a huge uh, difference. They, they are very good people as well, what they do. So, like, oh, man. It's nice to give it back to those people as well. It's unbelievable. So, Russell, um, uh, make sure you let your wife know a motor car is sorted. We'll give you the phone number and you can liaise directly with Fergus Thompson at the Blackpool Auto Centre. Is that all right with you? Yeah, that's brilliant. Thanks very much. Okay. And thanks to Fergus, obviously. You're welcome. Well done. Continue the great work that you do. All right, nice one. Okay. I want to send, send me a photograph of the car when you get it, Russell. Okay? Yeah, will do. No Stay in touch. Take care. Appreciate right. you doing what okay. you did, Fergus. It's very kind of you. I direct people there if they're in the business of looking for a motor car to check you out on the on the watercourse road. Okay? No bother. Thanks very much, Dave. Fierce kind. Bye. Fair play to you. Nice one. Well done, Fergus Thompson. What a wonderful, wonderful thing to do. Great gesture. Fergus Thompson has the Blackpool Auto Centre on the watercourse road just across from Watercourse Road Garda Station. If you're in the market for a motor, please check him out because he's been very kind to us and I would love to return the favour. That's great. I mean, that was very fast. All of that happened in the space of only a, a few minutes. So I'm happy to be able to report everything is sorted and the Meals on Wheels for well over uh, 200 to 250 Meals on Wheels uh, for many people on the north side will continue because Russell and his wife have got themselves their motor. Job well done. We'll move on to the next one, whenever that will be. Text 0868104106, the kindness of people. Uh, I'd love to hear more stories of people's kindness, incidentally. But yesterday, uh, where's my paperwork on that? I read out a little bit from the, from the Echo. It was the story of Laura Bridgman, who is from Fairhill, but now lives in Perth in Western Australia with her partner, Ian. Uh, he's also a north sider from Farnry. And they were talking about, um, you know, life there and how she stays in touch. She listens to uh, my podcast every day while she's in Perth. It keeps her in touch with Cork. Might have an opportunity to talk with her on the on the air tomorrow. But she described her perfect day. It was a great question that was asked by The Echo. It was a really great question that was asked. The question was, if you were back in Cork for one day, what would be the ideal day for you? And this has really taken off. Even my own sister, who's down in Sydney, uh, got involved in this overnight and sent me a long poem about what she would do uh, were she back in Cork for a day. But I was asking you guys, not just people from overseas, although I am keen to hear of people living away from Cork, listening to me on a daily basis. If you could get a free pass to come to Cork for a day back home, how would you spend it, that 24-hour period? But I'm also asking people who are here in Cork, if you got an opportunity to have your dream day on Side, what would it be? So, big response to that. I want to do some of them this morning and again tomorrow. We have some lovely prizes to give away on that. We've got some great passes to various wonderful uh, tourist locations across the city and county. The Bottom Museum, West Cork Secrets, West Cork Model Railway Village, tours of UCC, visit the UC, the Yaw Clock Tower and go into the Mary, Mary's Collegiate College. 
wonderful, wonderful family passes for Skibbereen Heritage Centre, Spike Island and all of the different beautiful OPW heritage sites across the city and the county. So enough of me, let's get straight to the phone lines on this. Uh, okay, well Kira certainly isn't there so I might come back to her in a minute. Let's see if Alison is sorted. Alison! Hi Neil, how are you? Okay, so you're the first to get the ball rolling. You have a 24 okay. hour pass to spend the day on Side. How would you spend it? As uh, they said in the pool, I'd go to Flying Enterprise for breakfast, take a walk then to... Uh, hang on a second, do you have, what, the full Irish, is it? Oh, 100%. Why there? Why, why would you... Is it, is the, I've had the breakfast there, so I oh, know it's good. Oh, the food is just delicious in there. Oh, and, and it's been... I'm living in Donegal now six years, so I really, really miss it. Oh, hang on a second. <laughs> so you're listening in Donegal, so you, yeah. really, you really would be getting a free pass to come to Cork. So off 100%. you go. All right. What, what are you missing? What would you do? Uh, so flying into Bracewell Breakfast, go to Fitzgerald's Park with my niece and nephew, go run across the shaky bridge because I don't really like water, so the quicker I'm across the better. <laughs> Come back then and go to uh, Luigi Malone's then for lunch or lunch or dinner because again, beautiful food. I, I just absolutely lovely. And then to top off well, the night, what is it? Like pizza, it's Lu- pizza or pasta, Luigi Malone's, right? Um, pasta, pasta. Emmet Place. For sure. Yes, yes. Right. And their dessert then used to have the ice cream shortbread tower. Oh, the what? Beautiful. My the son what? Used to what is it. that? Yeah. The shortbread <laughs> tower? Ice cream tower. They used to have like three pieces of shortbread biscuit with scoops of ice cream between them. Oh, it was beautiful. My son used to love it as well. I don't know if they still do it now because it's been a couple of years since they've been back, so probably not. Really nice. Okay, so we're up to we're up to what lunchtime now at this stage after after lunchtime. breakfast. So you'd be okay to have an early lunch like that after the big feed and the flying enterprise, would you? Uh well, it'll probably be a bit later because we probably go strolling around the city then as well. And then now that they have the new axe throwing place, so we'd have to go there. And then the maybe axe, have the dinner. axe throwing place is also the place where you can also go in and demolish things, uh, isn't it? Yeah, that would be more my style. <laughs> get rid of, get rid of your anger or your stress yeah. or your pent yeah. up emotions. Go in there after exactly. the breakup of a relationship or something and smash 100%. things up. <laughs> Yeah, but you can't smash that person so you could smash something okay. else. Okay, right. <laughs> Okay, so you're in for a bit of axe throwing then, right, after that? 100%. <laughs> Um, after that then depending on, on the time we'd have to go for a few drinks then into uh, the Baron one of the best places in Cork great music staff brilliant brilliant place what time is this at now is this afternoon oh, pints well, or probably afternoon yeah well out early home early so yeah <laughs> okay so you start the day and finish the day in two different pubs one for breakfast and one for pints there you go <laughs> <laughs> why not <laughs> All right, okay. And uh, how's life in Donegal? What would a typical day out be like up there? Whereabouts are you? Uh, I'm in Letterkenny, um, the bigger the bigger town. Uh, well, if I'm not working, I we'd probably just go for like an old spin. We can do Shaban or Jerry. They're only like, what, 35, 40 minutes away. Jerry's a great so, town, isn't it? Great town. Oh, beautiful, yeah, absolutely beautiful. And tell and me, what, took, what took you up there in the first place? Oh, that's that's a long story. We don't have enough time for that. <laughs> <laughs> oh God! But right. oh, no, it's great crack. I love it here, though. Well, it's a bit. It's kind of sleety rain here now at the moment. So yeah. Wait oh, sorry sun, about maybe, that. We we have blue skies and sunshine here. Na 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 na. <laughs> That's always the case. You don't oh, have any Donegal. You don't country. have any Donegal. We accent. 
Never, never lose my car accident, Neil. Come on, boy. <laughs> okay. All right, nice one, Alison. Stay listening. Regards Good to you all in Donegal. Back after 11. Actually, can I just say, um, I also want to just update with regards to Fergus and the Blackpool Watercourse Road area with regards to the wonderful car that he's giving to uh, the Meals on Wheels, Russell Bevan and his wife, because uh, Dave Kelleher, the mechanic who will know Fergus quite well, says he'd like to service the car. So Fergus, uh, mechanic Dave Kelleher, I know him quite well, he's a great guy, he's always available to help out whenever I need him. Um, and I'll give you full details of where Dave is after 11. He would like to do the servicing on the car, Fergus, if it's all right with you, just to give back to the local community that he serves also on the North side of Cork. So more on that after 11. The Neil Prenderville Show on Red FM. Conversation that matters. And be part of the conversation, the Neil Prenderville Show with Mercedes-Benz Cork. We do, you know, the people of Cork are just so generous in times of need. Can I just recap there? Russell and his wife work uh, for charities on the north side providing seven days a week meals on wheels service um, and they do over a hundred hours per week. They go out and they buy everything that's needed. Now there are some budgets for that, don't get me wrong but they do all of the shopping, they do all of the prep of the different meals and wheels every single day and their 14 year old Ford Focus eventually just gave up the ghost. So the work needs to continue and that was the general gist of the conversation. It took hardly any time at all before Fergus Thompson from the Blackpool Auto Centre on the Watercourse Road uh, came on board with um, I believe it will be a Kia Seed, a diesel Kia Seed. Uh, It's got about 120,000 on the clock. It's in perfect mechanical order. So all of that is sorted. I then got a call and a text from Dave Kelleher Motors up at the Glen Industrial Estate and he said, would you just tell Fergus that I would like to do the servicing on the car before it goes out to do the meals and wheels. So that's even another very kind gesture. And thank you to Dave Kelleher Motors from the Glen Industrial Estate for also coming on board and sorting out the servicing. So a job well done all round. That's just great. Happy with that. Um, Let me see what I got here. Uh, I got Liam, no? Is Liam good to go or is it just... uh, Or Alison. Alison! Yes, me. (laughs) How's it going? Oh no, that's not Great. that's not a very <laughs> that's terrible. It is, terrible. That's pretty appalling, isn't it? All right, I, I'll go away then. I won't tell you. I won't tell you why I called you back. Then if you're going to insult my Donegal accent, no, my heart's in my mouth. I'm like, why is he calling me back? Like, what's going All on? right, okay. I got a text there from Liam in the bar on. All right, he owns it. Okay. All right, he says, "Hi Neil, Liam here from the bar on. Tell Alison the points are on us. The next time she's down." <laughs> He says, my mum hails from Rathfoe in Donegal as well. So she's uh, more than welcome, more welcome than ever, considering that Liam's mother is a Donegal woman. <laughs> oh my God. Are you kidding me? That's fantastic. I'm delighted. Thank you so much. <laughs> points, points of what, though? Oh, see, we will see. It, it'll change. It changes on a daily basis, I'd say. As long as, not, as long as not points of Baileys now or something like that. Oh, God, no. It'd be probably Bulmers. All right. Well, the pints of Bulmers, whenever you are down, are on Liam in the Bowron because you miss it so much. All right. Thank you very much, Neil. Thanks, Liam. Thank you very much. Take care of yourself. All the best. And if I hear from the Flying Enterprise, right? If I hear from Finbar giving you free breakfasts, I'll be back to you for that as well, okay? No bother at all. Watch this space. I think I may be able to get you a bit of axe throwing for free as well. Bit of arm oh, twisting. Nice yeah, yeah, yeah. So you need to find a date when you're free to fit all of these things in, okay? 
Oh, I will. Don't worry. I'll be booking time off now at work. No panic at all. <laughs> I bet you I'll hear from Finbar at the Flying and Flying Enterprise. I oh, bet you I will. Star. Of course, full, people, they are the best. The we full, are the best. The full Irish. <laughs> All right, Hello. take care. Bye-bye. Cheers. I'll be back to you. If it happens, I'll be back to you and I'll let you know. Uh, <laughs> over to you, Finvar, the, fly, the Flying Enterprise. <laughs> Couple of breakfasts, please. Kira, good morning. Hi, Neil. How are you? <sighs> Second exhausted. Oh, I know the feeling. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Never done a hard day's work in my life and I'm exhausted. Anyway, the Frying Enterprise, I said. Anyway, listen, um, if, you'd, if, you'd, uh, if you'd a free pass on Lee's side, how would you spend it? Um, well, I suppose um, my first choice would obviously be to go down to photo with my daughter. I have a little 10-year-old. Like, you know, that's kind of like our go-to. So, like, our favourite thing to do now would be, like, you know, the night before, we'd kind of, we'd go away, we'd get all our picnic stuff, and just the excitement of getting everything ready, you know, the night before, like, you yeah. know, the blankets, and, yeah. you know, it's just exciting, and getting up nice and early then in the morning, and rather than going, like, from pillar to post, we kind of say, look, they do lovely food down in Lab 82, so we go down for our breakfast, and we're only... Lab so 82 is that fine spot across from the oh, railway station. Oh, absolutely he's a gas man, the owner of that. He's a, I can't remember his name, but he's a gas man. <laughs> he's they're notorious, they're notorious, sorry, for their coffee, but um, I'm kind of... I'm, I'm kind of limited now to what I can have coffee wise because we have another little one now on the way. So, um, coffee's good for you, girl. There now. Isn't it? Well, you, you know, but you know what now? It's great. It's great because, you know, um, with photo like this, there's so much you can do. Hang on a second. I know I'm just back. I'm still, I'm way behind you. I'm still back at the coffee stage. Are you saying that because you're pregnant, you cut back on coffee, is it? Oh, yeah. I can't, yeah. <laughs> I used to go down for my coffee. I'd go down for my coffee now and about to eat with the little one and. Not even if we were going to photo, I'd just go down for a coffee because it's absolutely beautiful. Down and if there, you like. have too much coffee, do you have the baby jumping around in the womb or something, is it? Oh my God, 100%. Like, go away. The baby does Irish, Irish dancing, like, I mean, after the baby. caffeine, yeah? Oh my God, yeah, 100%. Right. Okay, okay. So, um, okay, okay. So, anyway, you, so you, anyway it's, it's Richie Fennelly's gaff down at Lab 82, gas man. So, then you, so you've, had the, you've had the breakfast, the full Irish, and then you're, would you get the train down to photo? Oh yeah, sure. The train, the train is brilliant. You know, I think the train is great for the kids because you know they're looking out the window and the excitement of being able to get up and kind of not so much kind of walk around like, but they have the freedom to kind of stand up and you know it's just exciting for them because I remember myself when I was younger when my grandmother used to ring me down the excitement alone just to being on the train and sure like you're right outside the wildlife park then when you get off the train like you know. Yeah, so, you're not old enough you know, to remember not, when it went all the way to y'all though with your granny, you know. Oh no 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 no. Okay, I'll leave you off. You're no. one of the lucky ones. Okay, well, well, if you were, you'd be having a child very old then, wouldn't you? <laughs> <laughs> so we've been asking me now at all. There's enough of a gap now between my own one and the baby on the way. So right, okay. So you're, okay, so it's a picnic in photo then, is it? It's it, yeah. Like we pack our own picnic. Now, the odd time, all right, we go down and we might pick up one or two things from the cafe, but I think it's just nostalgic, you know, packing away your own picnic, and especially when the weather's nice, you know, you can just put the blanket down on the grass and. You know, blanket on the ground. Okay, yeah, and all That's of the animals, of course. Do you ever have you ever yeah. gone on the little train that you can go around on? Oh yeah, we've like, we've done that plenty of times. I suppose, like you know, like especially if we were getting the train down, and we start where the cafe is. By the time you get up to where the uh, the entrance is by the car park, you're exhausted, especially when you have like family with you, when kids and stuff. And okay, so you know, the little okay. legs are like I'm tired, and you know, you're thinking, look. You know, it's grand. Just okay. hop on, so hop it's off breakfast down in Lab 82, a picnic down in Fota. Um, you stay a lot of the day down in Fota. What next? 
Um, depending, I suppose, on what time we get back. Now, like my little girl, now she's mad into her, you know, relaxation and spa. She's kind of in her pre-teenage. So if we had the time now when we get off the train, she's like, oh, come on, mom, we go to Penny's and get a new pyjamas and get a face mask. And it's just a case then of just flying over home. Then we'd say, look. A trip to Penny's. Into pennies, I know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm allergic. You, know, you won't believe it. I'm allergic to the place now at this stage. But uh, my little my little girl loves it. Sure, she's nearly eleven now, like so. She's all it's all the craze. For you know? the bits and bobs, and then home for a takeaway. Yeah. Where would that be from? That's it. Oh, oh God, the tra- our local Chinese, absolutely, absolutely to die for. Like I mean, they actually know my order off by heart. What is your order? That's scary. Um, a spice bag with no chilies and extra curry. A spice bag is a big mess of stuff, isn't it? What is that, like chips? Oh, God, or? yeah. It's the mess, messiest thing you can have. You just eat it with your hands. You know, yeah. there's no cut reeds. You just rip open the bag and you just that's you not, dive in like, that's you know? not That's not Chinese food, though, is it? But it's not Chinese cuisine. <laughs> it's Chinese food, you know? <laughs> I won't go, it's not cuisine. Like, I wouldn't go into a restaurant and do it, like, you know? <laughs> but um, it's nice, you know, it's nice after a long day when you're exhausted, especially being out in the fresh air all day with kids. You know, the kids are exhausted, you're exhausted and you're walking around the majority of the day, it's nice to kind of put the feet up and put on a bit of Netflix and say, look, Lord, a bit of Chinese. And they say, look, oh, is it the usual? I'm like, oh, God. I said, Am I that bad? Do you ever, not, do you ever yeah. vary your food, though? You're that much of a creature of habit that it's always a spice bag. Well, you see, do you know what I'm doing now lately? I'm actually blaming it on the pregnancy. I'm thinking, but it's what the baby wants. And people are saying, oh, my God. You stop, you stop blaming this. Like, stop blaming the pregnancy. I'm like... The odd time I would kind of vary, I'd kind of go like, I'll try this now and I'll try that. But you know what? I'd have one or two bits of it now and I'm like, no, I'll, st- I'll stick to what I know. It sounds awful. A spice oh, bag. I know. It, just, it sounds very, it's, it's a glorified, a glorified spicy chicken. That's all, like, that's all I'm saying. Oh, there's chicken in it, is there? Oh, God, yeah. It's like, it's just chips, chicken, a bit of veg and spice seasoning. It's just when people say spice bag, you're thinking, oh God, what in God's name is that? Yeah. Sounds yeah. like something that you dig out of a bin, like. That's it. <laughs> you know? But um, it's, it is what it is. It's an, Irish, things, it's an uh, Irish phenomenon. I don't think. The, exactly. I don't think, I don't think the Chinese eat it, though. <laughs> no, oh, no, God, oh God, no. Right. You know? That's how that's it. Okay. They're making their business off me going up there anyway. I'm up there. Okay. What, what is the name of the Chinese? See if we can catch you a free meal yeah. next time you order from them. Where is it? Oh, they'll be delighted. Jade Palace. Where's that? It's on the south side. Uh, it's just on the corner there between Douglas Street and Summerhill South. Oh, my God. I know it. Yeah. I know <laughs> You'll it. You'll see me the next day. He's like, was that you? I'm like, yeah. <laughs> okay. Jade Palace on the corner of Douglas Street in Capwell. Free order. Yeah. Free spice bag, please, for Kira, for Kira next time she's in with the order. All right? <laughs> I'll be up there now tonight if they get to me. <laughs> well, they have to come back to me to confirm it yet, but I'm assuming they will. <laughs> Go on, enjoy. Know, they're very good up there. They're very, good up there. they're very accommodating. Thanks, Kira. Enjoy. Take care. Have a great day. A sandwich in the Long Valley, a walk around the English market, browse the bookstores in the city, a pint in the Mutton Lane. Later on that night, I'd get fish and chips from Lennox's. In the old days, it would have been Matty Kiley's. Thank you for that one. I'm starving. It's a good one. Um, another one here. I love the farm gate in the English market. Then a nice walk down the Marina, a stroll to Mahan Point for some retail therapy, and end the day with a trip down to Carrigaline to catch of the day. Uh, I love a walk along the Port of Cork. Breakfast at Lab 82. That's another one that loves Lab 82. Light candles at St. Patrick's Church. Ring the bells at Shandon. Get some sweets from Shandon Sweets and a coffee at the hideout. Feed the ducks in the lock. 
and rock with Rock and Jerry in the Rob Roy. I'd visit Cork Penny Dinners too and say hi. The Marina Market for some great ice cream as well. I just love Cork. That's one hell of a busy day of that, you can be sure. Joe's and Bros on Galabi Street for breakfast. A stroll into town for a nosy lunch for a nosy around. Lunch will be the Long Valley. Then a short dander up and down McCurtain Street, a few cocktails in Paladar, and then there's so much to choose from up there. Son of a Bun would be a good spot for a bit of soakage. Keep them coming. Text 0868104106. Let me get a quick call on this one um, and then back to text and what have you. James. Hello. So we're asking people for their typical day if they had a free pass to do whatever they wished in Cork. Now, a lot of it is Cork City. It doesn't necessarily have to be Cork City. But anyway, go ahead yourself. Um, a photo of wildlife park first maybe anyway is that and if I'd be a time then I'd go no, to hang on um, a second you forgot your breakfast you have to have breakfast oh we get something in the English masters shop local of course sir ok you changed your minds before you came on air because a while ago you were going to Tony's for breakfast on the North Main Street oh Tony's yeah I forgot what I, what I said on, on the ticket yeah, thing yeah. you forget the time of day yeah. Breakfast so yeah. into- the Godfather maybe. Have you ever ha- have you ever tried that one, the challenge? No, I'm gonna try that next time down there. Are you a bi- are you a big eater? Oh sometimes, yeah. Okay, I remain to be convinced. I was gonna I was gonna send you in to try the Godfather, but I I don't think you're you're not a kind of a man versus food kind of a dude, are you? I've often had one or two of them, yeah. Okay. You're not you're not giving away much, James, my man. So anyway, you've had the breakfast. Go ahead. Oh, I got a photo while I packed in. Right. And then if I had another bit of free time, I get the get the bus out to Cove and do the um, the um, what's called the and the thing about the the Titanic. The oh, the thing. Titanic. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. You go to I the Heritage Centre. Have you ever been there? Yeah, I was there a good while back actually with the um, a group from Borsley, uh, the historic group actually. Right. Where are you from, James? Tipperary. Okay, Nina. okay, you're from Nina, Nina. Yes. Uh, and is your partner from Cork? Yeah. <laughs> I'm not a guard, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> I'm not interrogating you, you know. No, no, no. Yes, yes, yes. Okay, okay. Well, whatever you do on the day, have a great one. Actually, does anybody has anybody seen Man versus Food? Okay, because the other night, right, I was flicking through Sky trying to find. I was trying to find the tennis channel because there's tennis on at the moment from Rio, and I came across just next to it and hit it by mistake. Man versus Food. I'd never seen it before. Your man is the total lunatic, Adam. Is that his name? Yeah, I think his name is Adam. You He's just, he- you just, how? No, hang on, no. He's I, a head case. No, you're, you're as bad as James here. No, changing your story, right? But you James didn't a whole lot you, to say. <laughs> about this anyway, you, know how does one stumble across? Because Manny's food, Manny's, yeah, but like, you can't tell me that the the tennis channel and the food channel are next to each other. There are totally different sections now of your skybox. Yeah, but I wasn't in sport. I was moving down through entertainment by mistake, and ah. it just it just flicked up on the. I just ended up watching it. Right? Yeah, let's just call it spade a spade. No, I watched the entire, you're, you're, I watched the entire <laughs> episode of Man vs. Food, apart from god-awful long ad breaks. So, yeah. so he went into three different restaurants, right? Yeah. Three different places. He was yeah. down south in the southern states and he went into this crab house where he got this massive bucket of seafood. Yeah. 
which is usually for at least two people. He yeah. demolished it, right? Yeah. He then left there. He went somewhere else and had some other kind of concoction. And he ended up then having this massive, gigantic omelette. Yeah, and, and he shows egg. you how it's all made. Like oh, yeah, He goes yeah. into the kitchen and he can yeah. see this monstrosity being constructed, knowing full well that it's all going to end up all of the contents in the back of his stomach. No, but he failed the the with day. the omelette. He couldn't he finish it. Could finish the omelette. I, I think I eggs could. are eggs are very high. Eight high eggs with po- toast, and the and the and the filling was a big, huge mess of um, chili beef. Ch- chili beef on an omelette. Yeah, with loads and loads of cheese in it. Jesus, it was enormous. I just, it was just, like it was. You know the rug in the front. You know the rug when you, the mat when you open your front door yes, is like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That kind it's of thing. like there's something compelling about watching a human being like. Like when you see it stacked up in front of them, you think there's no way that a fella's going to be able to fit that inside his body. And then you watch as he takes it piece well, by piece. We seem it's to find just, these things intriguing, particularly yeah. the Godfather challenge at uh, Tony's. It's like that morbid curiosity. It's yeah, like, have you seen the, it? Yeah, remember we spoke to a guy from America who well, no, did I've the had, Godfather twice. Do you remember? Yeah, he came over I've, and did it. But we've like, had a few people on, but the majority of people fail. Oh yeah, there's no hope. There's no hope. I, like I wouldn't don't know if I get through the normal, like the biggest breakfast that they have in Tony's. And as you well know, and anybody who's in this office in Red knows, my appetite sometimes knows no limits. Could you like, do the Godfather? I nah, not a hope. Not a hope. Not a hope. And I could be fasting for ten days. And your man on your Godfather. man on uh, man versus food. Yeah. Does he get his cholesterol checked out? And oh, yeah, I, I hope no, seriously, so. like because I really one. do hope so. Because some of the stuff he eats is like. But there's another. There's a, there's other guys that do it. Like there's a few people online. There's a guy called Beard Meets Food. He's this really kind of like iconic beard. But he explains that what he'll do is he'll fast for a couple of days. So overall, his calorie intake balances it's out. Not about, it's about size. It's about the volume. Yeah, I know. And it's about the, the the amount of time your body has to process it. That would be my issue. But he says in terms of like weight and everything, it's balanced out over the week. So he actually doesn't end up gaining weight from man eating these enormous food. things. Yeah. yeah. Imagine if you did a cork version. We do have a cork version. Who's the man that's on regularly? He's got his on Instagram page he's on with the top oh Richie Richie's Food Nature yeah. Richie's oh, like yeah, man versus see, food yeah, but, yeah in small portions Richie's like Richie's man's versus everything really at this point isn't he he's <laughs> doing roasts and all kinds of stuff but no it's um, it's it does something really comp- it's like that kind of morbid curiosity where we you know it's like it's the same thing where people did the cinnamon challenge before where they were trying to eat the bags of cinnamon straight ah you'll know that I'm sure people called it about that years ago Can't remember. people you know there was always so it was like you, you get I don't a, remember the ice cube challenge yeah the, the, it's like it's it's all about like will he throw up you know like <laughs> people just want to know like it's it's this strange morbid curiosity that people have I don't know why but yeah I've seen the one um, I want to see it again by yeah, the way exactly. oh and listen yes thank you yesterday appreciate it much obliged Joan Lane who was on with us that lovely lady whose husband had a bad fall way back in the early 60s from uh, one of the big grain um, silos, you know, working there, done as a, as a miller, uh, and it ruined his life. He got brain damage and everything, and suffers the whole of his life with epileptic fits and what have you. And she's a lovely lady. People were saying her story was just so inspiring. She then reared the family single-handed and went down to work on the uh, coal cave with her grandmother, selling second-hand clothes, and reared all of the family and looked after 
her sick husband until he passed away. Anyway, Joan Lane, lovely lady. Um, people were saying you should really send her out for a bit of food or a nice little bit of a treat. And we have sorted that. I want to say thank you to Mags and everybody at the corn store because we have dinner for two at the corn store. They have a brand new early lunch menu as well that might suit Joan and Vera. And the wonderful thing about it is that Joan wouldn't have to stray very far from her beloved cold K to go over to the corn store for lunch or dinner on the corn store with her daughter Vera. So job done. So enjoy that, Joan and Vera, and thank you to everybody at Corn Store. Call Neil now. 0818 The Neil Prenderville Show on Red FM. So keep those coming if you had a free pass to do whatever you would wish to do. It all started uh, with regards to an Echo article where they chatted with Laura Bridgman down in Perth. Um, great question. What would you do if you had 24 hours back in Cork, uh, assuming that you could just um, beam to Cork rather than having to you know, travel 24 hours in an airplane? My perfect day out in Cork would be a walk on Long Strand, have lunch in the fish basket. Oh, I've had the food there. It's superb. Drive to Clonakilty for a stroll around. Back to Douglas for a pint in the Grange Bar. A takeout supper from Dino's. Dino's chips are very hard to beat. And a relaxed night in. My favourite pyjamas listening to John Creedon. Absolute bliss. Creedon's a good guy. Uh, My favourite day out in Cork would have to be a spa day with lunch at the beautiful Kingsley. It's amazing. I'd finish off the evening at the Cork Opera House. Oh, that's very posh. A spa day and then off to the Opera House. Watching the cruise liners in Cove, having some lunch in the Titanic restaurant or the Keys Bars and Restaurant with the gorgeous views of the harbour. I travel down on the train and back again. And just one or two more. I head off for a lovely walk by the water here in Crosshaven most days and I even enjoy breakfast or a coffee break outdoors at the lovely River's End Cafe. I love looking around then at the beauty of the water and the greenery, the historic sites and the buildings. Alas, as we all should do wherever we are on any day in Ireland, be thankful to have it as my home. We must also never forget about the horrors that too many are waking up to daily. War, murder, discrimination and hunger. Also remember that a lot of it is not far from our own island of Ireland and we should count ourselves lucky. That's a lovely trip. I love part of that where you talk about the historic sites and buildings. Uh, certainly down around Crosshaven you would have wonderful sites. I was across the bay last weekend actually on the other side over by Roaches Point. I went down into Roaches Point. It's a beautiful little village there uh, at Roaches Point. It's really gorgeous with lovely picnic tables. But there is a fort there and a site up there called Fort Davis. And I remember years ago, a buddy of mine who's now long since passed uh, said to me, if you can ever get in there to have a look around, you should. So I found it last last weekend and drove up to an area that I thought would get me into it, but it's completely locked now and the gate is closed and it says, you know, worse the effect, if you pass here, there's a chance you'll be shot because the army, do army training in the area. Just wondering, is Fort Davis now off limits? Um, at this stage or can you get to it from another way like is there kind of a walkway from Roaches Point or something or is it completely off limits I guess you people in East Cork will know that text 0868104106 start the day off with breakfast in Photo Clubhouse ooh what about a spot of golf followed by a trip to the wildlife park then back into the city by train to go go go-karting uh, by the Marina Market. Uh, and then finally, dinner and drinks in Market Lane. And there's loads here. A lot. The Long Valley features in a lot of your perfect days. Joe's and Bro's for breakfast, then a stroll around Fitzgerald's Park with a coffee, then hit town for a bit of retail therapy, Market Lane from some late lunch, and a few glasses of wine in the Long Valley. A perfect day. So I have reams of these. Keep them coming. Text 0868104106 and we'll do some more calls 
on this, uh, hopefully before midday, but certainly tomorrow. We have passes for the Butter Museum, the West Cork Secret, West Cork Model Railway Village, Skibbereen Heritage Centre, Yaw Clockgate Tower, uh, UCC Tours, Spike Island, and all of the different wonderful heritage sites uh, in city, suburbs and county to give away. So we'll be doing that and a lot more besides. But a man who will know many of the places that I've just described because he's probably dealt with them um, as he went about for all of those years with his uh, cameras. He's retiring, though, the one and only Dennis Minahan, who started back, I believe, in 1976 um, and has uh, taken, they estimate in Owen English's article in The Examiner this morning, it's estimated that he has taken half a million photographs over the course of his career and bagged 27 national and international awards. We'll talk about that and a few other things as well after the break. The Neil Prenderville Show on Red FM. And the man Conversation that matters. Dennis Menahan joins me by phone. Dennis, good morning. Morning, Neil. How are you keeping? And time comes by when you have to hang it up. For me, it'll be a microphone and headphones and for you, it's the camera. How do you feel about it? Uh... This morning, I suppose, thanks, Neil. Uh, this morning, I suppose I'm rather overwhelmed in a positive way with all, all the incredible number of messages and goodwill emails and texts and everything, and even online on the, the Examiner and the Echo website and the, cover, the, the send-off I got just in. That's ah, deserving. Don't look, Keith has a lovely piece on you in the Echo, and Don English does a lovely tribute. How does the, in the Examiner, how does a lad in 1976 from Skibbereen at the age of 17 get a job in, as a photographer in the examiner offices? <laughs> well, I suppose at the time, my my father uh, was working with the examiner also. He was a staff photographer in Skibbereen. He was he had an area to cover from Bandon all the way to Dorsey Island. That's, that is some distance. That was some massive area he had to cover. And we also had a, a small shop. So it was a, a news agent that we had in Skibbereen town. And I suppose we all grew up with the business, really. My mother and all the other, my brothers, and, my brother and sisters, um, all grew up with it. We used to deliver, he used to deliver the papers in the morning, my father used to. And now and again, I would get up and go with him because uh, obviously it was early in the morning. He would meet the van, the examiner van arriving in Skibbereen, maybe at what time? Four, five, half five, six o'clock in the morning. Yeah. And, uh, get the papers and then he used to deliver them around the town and I, I went with him sometimes when I was a when I was a young child. So it was in the he blood had, if you like. It, it's in the blood. I suppose we grew up in a, a newspaper house really, really did. Yeah. We had a we had a small Yorkshire Terrier. Um his name was Bruno and um, <laughs> he used to go with my father every morning delivering the newspapers and I went a few times as I said and when the papers would arrive, my father would roll up each news the, the individual newspapers for delivery put a, a sleeve of, pay, of print around them, of just a plain sheet around them, with around the rolled up paper, and then go off with the dog <laughs> delivering the newspapers. And he'd put the newspaper in the dog's mouth, and the dog <laughs> got to know the dog got to know which house to stop on to stop at after a while. So that was just an incredible experience. Unpa- you know? unpaid, so I, I, unpaid work for Bruno the dog. <laughs> it was. It was. But, you know, I, I grew up with it, I suppose. It's in the blood, as they say. Yeah. I mean, my father started off when he was very young, working. He was in the army for a little while. Then he was milking cows on, at the model farm in Cork. That was a long way from Skibbereen. And then then he became a fisherman. But he had a, an accident. Uh, just He fell off, fell between the trawler and the pier in Kinsale and did some serious injury to his back. Oh. So, 
he spent a few years recuperating from that and somebody had the brainwave to bring in uh, art set, an art set to him in the hospital and he started doing colouring and watercolours and painting and that sort of thing and I suppose it developed uh, developed his eye and yeah. he ended up transferring from doing watercolours and painting to becoming a photographer and so I, that's how I got it I mean and my sister is a photographer in Skibbereen as well lovely and, tribute uh, to the family absolutely um, yeah, yeah. so so we grew up de- developing films and uh, printing pictures. We had our own dark room in Skibbereen. So I suppose that was a great help to me when I started in the examiner. I had a, had an idea of what, what you so know. Back, what I so back in the day, then starting out in the Cork Examiner as a press photographer, would you yeah. go to work and be told what you were covering and where to go? Is it? Yes, yes. Well, I started in, in the dark room. That's where. So I was I was processing the films and printing the photographs for publication and also printing them for orders for the general public when people would order photographs. And that's what I was doing for about a year and a half to two years. And then a vacancy came up in the in the dark room. I remember when I started, actually, I was uh, Donald Crosby. God rest his soul. The Crosbys were, were, were great employers, you know, back in those days. And uh, I, he, he, he gave me a six-month trial and uh, I haven't heard any more since. <laughs> <laughs> I never, never heard back. So then I was out on the road, yes, so you would get your assignments, yeah. You would get assignments the, the evening before as to where you were, the, the afternoon or the early evening before. And that could be anything, could it? It could be a happy occasion, it could be a tragedy, it could be an event. There were so many different yeah. facets to your photography. There were, there were, absolutely. Sadly, sometimes there were tragedies, indeed, not, not something that you wanted to be at, not any of us wanted to be at, but... Sadly, I suppose we had to cover them, but there were great events as well. And yet we never knew. It was always unpredictable. No two days were ever, have ever been the same for any of the photographers. Yeah, Owen English puts it very well. He says, you did the Betelgeuse and you did the Kowloon Bridge disasters. There would be ship disasters, massive tankers. You did the Papal Visit right. in 79. Uh, I think you did more than one. Uh, I think you, you did um, the release of the Birmingham Six. You did the devastating 2009 Cork floods. Um, you... Uh, very much are known for one particular photograph that went global. Um, If that was if that was to be your legacy, that awfully tragic photograph that you'd like, I'd like you to tell us about, which would be, and of course we are talking about the Air India disaster back in 1985. Um, How how did that one come about? Because it literally was a photograph, sadly, of all of those who died and were taken to the regional hospital at the time, right? It was, it was, it was. It was a very, very sad, there were very sad times and my, my heart just went out and still goes out to all those poor people who who lost relatives and family members. 329 you know, dead, yeah. 329, it was tragic. Uh, yeah, I, on that particular day I was working, uh, I was in Thurlis with uh, Jim O'Sullivan, the GA, cor- GA correspondent, and uh, we went to Thurlis to cover two hurling games. There was a minor game and a senior game and we arrived in Thurlis early uh, so we could get parking <clears throat> close to the grounds and uh, Jim put on the, the 11 o'clock news on, on RT Radio 1 and it just said that there was a plane a plane had had crashed off the, the Irish coast, off the West Cork coast. And uh, I mean, <clears throat> so I didn't know any more really about it because I was working at the two games and then we came back to Cork. Uh, to process because in those days obviously we were using it was films black and white films yeah, we were using. yeah yeah so we came back to Cork to process and I could hardly get into the dark room in the examiner and the echo office it was uh, it was jam packed with with uh, photographers from from different countries it was incredible how how quickly they got there but there were so many 
so many photographers there that uh, I was waiting a while actually to get uh, to get into the dark room to process my my um, pictures from from the two games, but. Um, I eventually did, and then um, on on that night, the Lee Moore was the, the the editor on the night, and he asked me would I be interested in maybe going out. There was a press conference, I believe, at this Cork at the regional hospital, and would I go out and just see if I could get some kind of a picture because of the fact that you know this was all happening in the Cork area. And for and as this was 1985, obviously the Air India disaster, where a makeshift morgue had been set up in the in the regional because the the scale of death was was, was awful, uh, and and they just needed a central location for unfortunately the misfortunate bodies of the people who died. Yeah, yeah, it was awful. It was awful, and uh, at the time, none of the media was allowed to take any photographs of the uh, temporary morgue. And, but I decided to, for some reason or other, I decided just to make to have a look around, and I made my made my way, and I could see where the where the remains were, and uh, I obviously didn't didn't get in get in to get a photograph there, but I I went around I went around the back, and I could I could see in through a window where where the um, <clears throat> all the bodies were had been placed, and. Uh, I couldn't actually get a photograph because there was a there was a net curtain in the window and down right down to the windowsill, so I I could see in barely, but I couldn't couldn't get an image because of the net curtain, and I was there for quite a while waiting around, and there were a lot of checkpoints in the area, so I actually took my car out of the grounds and parked further down. I, I walked back in and uh, went back to the same place, and uh, eventually. Somebody had actually opened a window up high, and uh, the curtain the curtain started to blow just gently with the I suppose with the the, the light breeze that was there. The curtain blew in, and I managed to get uh, a few photographs. I think it was seven frames. I was looking back to the negatives recently. I got seven frames, just and I had a, a view of about two inches. So at the top of the frame was. Of the net curtain, the bottom of the net curtain, and the the bottom third of the picture was actually the windowsill, and I just got about a two inch gap to get a few frames into into the window. So you don't know that till you go back and develop no, it. No, 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 I didn't know. I didn't know because it was only it was an instant, really, just a couple of seconds. The wind, the curtain blew in and came back, and just why I went back in, and the dark room was was really busy inside. And uh, Liam said to me. Did, did you get anything? And I said, well, I think I did, but you know, you never know until you develop the, the film and look at the print, look at the, the, the negatives. So he said, develop the film, we'll have a look and see. And then I called him in when I had the film developed and it was a nerve-wracking few minutes. And he came in and he said, that's fine. He said, great, that, that's great to have that. He said, we're going to, we'll, we'll delay the, um, the, the printing of the paper because at that time it was printed in Academy Street. And he said, I want you to wait until everyone else had left before I printed the pictures. So, and did anybody think, I'm, I'm just curious because part of this conversation we said you weren't allowed, but it, this is about following the story and photojournalists follow the story as well as, say, somebody who actually writes a story. But was there any thought as to whether it should be published at the time? As to whether it should be published? Hard call, isn't it? 
Yeah, it is a hard call. It was a very hard call for me as well. You know, I suppose I was a lot younger in those days as well. It was a hard call. It was a hard call. There's no doubt about it. With, yeah. with what was in, with what was in the photograph. But it captured. But it, but in in I have to say, it captured the devastation of the tragedy more than anything else I've ever seen. Yeah, sadly it did. I suppose yes. I mean, I the inter- the reaction internationally, I suppose would would um, convey that message as well, really, because when I went in the following morning, I went in to collect a page boy because I was due to go to the airport, and we had a page boy system in those days, so a bleeper system. Yeah, and went to the airport, and uh, there were you know there were a few new helicopters, and there was a lot massive activity at the airport, and uh, went back in. And when I went in in the morning early at maybe around seven to collect the page by the, the lads in the the wire room, who, they were the, they were my colleagues who um, were the photographs internationally, and they said that they just didn't know what was going on. That they were getting calls from newspapers in all different countries looking That's for right. it. It's amazing how the world went around in those days. It's different now with modern technology, but you know how the world went around. So it, it the picture went to newspapers, yeah, all, all and magazines, everywhere. yeah. Yeah. It, it did, yeah. 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 It it is very different now, isn't it? We were we were talking there of an age when it was literally rolls of film. It's it's all digital now. There's you can send you can send things in from your, your laptop. In fact, everybody's got a camera on their smartphone. Would you go along with that? absolutely. It's changed. Yeah, things have changed so much. It, it absolutely. I mean we went from black and white to colour transparency to colour film and then it just changed completely with digital and now the phones, everybody has a phone. Yeah, yeah, they do, they do. So you, it makes our job even more difficult. Does it make it diff- more harder for press photographers and those involved in media because you're you're also yeah. up against other people who capture things, yeah? Absolutely. Oh, yeah, it, it usually, it, it does, it does, yeah, it does. There's no, there's no doubt about that. Everybody has a phone now and you mean... We can't be in. You can't be in the the right place all the time. You know, you you have to to you, you hope you hope you are, and then you have to work hard at it. And so it has made things more difficult. There's no doubt. But, I mean, but the, the only thing I notice about, say, for instance, you know, people, all of us that take photographs or things that I see on a regular basis, is I'm never 100 percent sure if it's real or fake or or manipulated. Yeah. You know, that's the thing. Yes, yeah, yes, yeah, I know, I know. That's that's that is a concern going forward. There's no doubt. That is a concern going forward. Yeah, yeah it is. Absolutely. Is there any one, is there any, I mean, talk to you all day about what you did for all of those years, nearly 50 years, but is there any one particular photograph, say, say besides the awfully sad photograph from um, the Air India disaster, is there any one the particular photograph that you're very fond of? Uh, there, are so, there are so many, Neil, to be honest. I mean, I was at so many things. I suppose one, I, I do have two special moments I suppose one was meeting Mother Teresa at Cork Airport when she arrived uh, she was visiting Blarney and she came in and just on a small little plane the pilot got out of the plane came around the other side opened the door and she just leaned her head out and she put up her joined her two hands as in prayer leaned out and gave me gave me a smile and that was just a moment I'll never forget and do you get a fierce and, buzz then capturing that picture is it like an adrenaline yeah. rush Oh yes, absolutely, absolutely. That was that was that was a wonderful occasion. It was, and she, I mean, she gave me a, a medal afterwards, and you know, I treasure that medal to this day, I suppose, really. And then the other occasion was meeting the the conjoined twins, the Ben Half Half twins. That was just a, an incredible experience. Uh, down beautiful in, in, uh, yeah, in East Park, where we, uh, you know, own own, own English, uh, and and I went to the house Owen had made some of the arrangements and uh, we hadn't met the family before Owen had 
we went to the house and uh, just had a chat and uh, you know we didn't know what kind of photos if we'd get photographs or what and I suppose they were they were anxious the family was anxious and we were anxious you know but it worked out well and I mean at one stage Angie was such a lovely lady Angie said said to us would you like to hold the babies and I'll take a photograph of you yeah so she gave them to me I held them I held them that was just an unbelievable moment. Do you do you think that on some that on some occasions that people I'm not talking about the Ben Hafafs, they're a lovely family, but do you, do you think that some people would regard a camera as being invasive? I suppose, yeah, understandably so. Understandably so. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if you're doing, if you're doing, did you ever do court photography, for instance, or was that other people's work? I have. No, I've done lots of court photography over the years. Yeah, that's 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 pretty trying and pretty difficult. It is. Yeah, it yeah. is. Because you'd meet you'd meet people who wouldn't be terribly happy with the photograph. I suppose. No, they wouldn't be too keen to see us. No, yeah. no, they wouldn't. And uh, it wasn't easy sometimes. And then other people were fine. You know, because they were all going through their own difficult times. Yeah, yeah. So it, you know, they they all had their 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 yeah. worries at yeah. the time. So it wasn't you know, no court is never court is never easy really. You've not. done it all, yeah, you've done it. Yeah <laughs> you had tea with Marlon Brando, that appallingly bad film that collapsed in East Cork, didn't you? Oh, I, I did, yeah. <laughs> Divine did. Rapture is right. What was he like? He was he was he was fine, he was lovely. Yeah, we my we we were looking to get photographs of him and uh, there was a, a reporter with me. I could not remember yesterday when I was in the office what who my what the report what reporter was with me, but you believe my I had left some memory. And uh, <laughs> Mike we heard Michael D. Higgins, who's now the, the president, was Minister for Arts, I believe, at the time, and he was coming to visit Marlon Brando in, in the house he was staying in. So we waited at the gate and my, my, um, Mr Higgins arrived. And we put in a request, you no, know, was it possible for the two of us to go in to speak to him and get some photographs? And he said he'd ask. So he asked and the word came back out that we were allowed in. We were welcomed in upstairs and uh, Marilyn Brando was sitting there with a lovely fire, fire be- a large fire behind. And we, we had uh, tea and cake with him at the time. He mustn't have had much to say, though, did he? Or did he? You know what? I can't recall too much. We know we chatted away. Now I suppose we weren't there for too long because it was obviously a meeting between between um, President Higgins and uh, and Marilyn Brando. So we we you know we weren't there for that long. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. From what I recall, no. I mean, I was looking back to the negatives last week. I have photographs of him sitting there, looking over, smiling. So he was very welcoming. I have to say, at the time, he really was. So he have was, you got, um, have you got a house then that's groaning with photographs and negatives? You do. Uh, <laughs> I haven't too many on my walls. No, would you believe? Maybe at some stage I'll uh, I'll do a wall of, uh, of negatives when I get around to or a wall of pictures when I get around to it. So I'll, what, have, I'll have time from now on, hopefully. So what are you gonna What are you gonna You're gonna follow in your father's footsteps, I think, and take up art classes, is it? I well, it's something. Do you know what? It's something I I think I would like to do. He did it, in, and I he did it one way, and I might do it in reverse. I think I think I'd like to do it to see can I transfer what I can see with my eye, and can I do it with the pen, you know, with the with the, the brush and see see if it'll work. I give it a try. Who knows? <laughs> Who knows? I've never done that before. So I think I, anything I, I, that you put turn your hand to will work out for you. I, 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 I'm I'm mad about you, but you know that anyway because you're always you've always been in great form. You have this I don't know. It's like a a stenciled smile on your face that's always there. You're just a, an all round great guy, and your colleagues gave you a great send off. 
and that's and well deserved. I, yeah. I was I was I was emotional yesterday. I got an incredible send off from everybody in the examiner of the echo. It really was fantastic. I have to say, yeah, it was. And so I've worked. I mean, I've worked with magnificent photographers or colleagues over the years, starting off with Thomas Barker years back when he was took photographs on the Titanic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, worked down the line to my present day colleagues. You know. It's just been brilliant. It really has. Is Eddie O'Hare still taking pictures? He is my old spy, my old buddy. I was just going to say that there's no worry about the future because Eddie's there and Dan <laughs> Lennon is there and Larry Cummins, and uh, it's brilliant. And there, and my my position is being re- I'm being replaced as well inside, which in the office, which is fantastic. It's a great vote of confidence for the well, photographers. Somebody, the somebody may be taking great. over from you, Dennis Minahan, but you will never be replaced because you're irreplaceable. <laughs> Oh God. <laughs> look, after, look after yourself it's lovely chatting in regards to you and to Maeve and the four kids all grown up now aren't they Laura, David, Connor and Shane all adults they're all, they're all grown up we have two abroad and two in, two in Ireland yes two in Cork so thank you so much Neil Mind pleasure yourself. speaking to you again. thanks to everyone and it's stuff. always a pleasure to visit Red FM over the years <laughs> you're the best take care Dennis God bless you thanks great so guy the one and only Bye. Dennis Menon who uh, retires after nearly 50 years of service. Thanks to 0868104106 for all other business and keep those stories coming. My apologies now. I went to, I'm supposed to get another couple of calls on with regards to how you would spend your day on Leaside. Keep the text coming. That's great. Text 0868104106 but also it'd be great to come on air and tell the story yourself because we'll have a good old laugh tomorrow. Have a good day. I'll see you tomorrow. When court talks, car people blow my mind. They talk to Neil Prendeville on Red FM.